Oh, he's muted. Yeah, me too. Oh man, that's a, that's a really bad start. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome everybody to another episode, another stream of the Thought Adventure uh, Thought Adventure podcast. Um, we've really missed you guys. It's 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 been three weeks this time, so um, we're happy to be back. Um, today we're discussing um, the argument from divine hiddenness. Uh, against the existence of God or against theism, which is one of, one of the most uh, popular arguments uh, against the existence of uh, uh, the theistic or, or, or God or the God of, uh, uh, of you know, uh, monotheism. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's a very interesting argument. I think it's closely related to the uh, problem of evil that we discussed uh, last time, so uh, we're hoping this. We're hoping this is going to be an interesting and fruitful uh, stream, inshallah. Um, panelists, assalamualaikum. How are you guys doing? Hope you're well. Alaikum salam. I'm, I'm a bit surprised. We've got uh, Isan here saying he's only just had to subscribe so he could post. What's he, why is he not already subscribed? He's been on the show like God knows how many times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Yusuf, man, how no. you, how's your COVID, by the way? Because you had COVID. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, I'm, I'm much better now. I um, I did a test at the end of my isolation period, and it came through negative, so I didn't have it then. But the, I still had a, I still have it now a bit, but a bit of a phlegmy cough. Um, but alhamdulillah, yeah, much better than I was. Alhamdulillah, so that's better. good. That's good. But yes, uh, yeah. So so I'm just gonna pull up the argument here. Uh, maybe a simple form of the argument that will get us started. Uh, so, premise, premise, conclusion, premise one, if God exists, there are no non-resistant non-believers. Premise two, there are non-resistant non-believers. Conclusion, God does not exist. So, it's a valid argument. The form is valid. If premise one and two are true, the conclusion follows. So, um, take it away, guys. Uh, whoever wants to start, inshallah. <laughs> Maybe just really quickly before, I just wanted to uh, maybe add one or two key points before going into directly into the argument. I'll let the other brothers go directly into the argument. But I think uh, this argument, divine hiddenness and also the problem of evil, tends to be an argument which says, if God exists, God would want this a particular type of world. Because we don't see this particular type of world, therefore god doesn't exist so you know with the problem of evil it's like if god exists there would be a world with no evil because there is a world with evil therefore god does not exist yeah so similarly this type of argument if you if you really break it down the, the sort of the hidden assumptions is to try to understand what god would want in terms of creating and so in this situation if god created if god exists he would want a world where there's no disbelief because there's disbelief therefore god doesn't exist yeah so in essence non-resistant non disbelief to be more specific yeah yeah and not yeah. and to to be honest there's uh obviously there's lots of different variations to this particular type of argument the divine hiddenness yeah uh, and I think we're going to try and go through as many of the different variations as possible. But I'm just saying is that in the minds of the audience, it's, it's really important because a lot of times these types of arguments is really trying to understand what would happen if God exists and what type of world would God want to create. 
yeah, that's yep. that's the that's the idea. Uh, so I just thought I'd just get it out there. So people, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, I think, I think you're right, uh, and I think, of course, uh, I mean, they can provide reasons for why they 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 make that move, and and, and I think uh, the way the way it's typically done is that there are certain consequences or entailments uh, that follow from the characteristics or attributes of God that uh, theists attribute to God. So um, let's say perfection, right? Uh, perfect love or uh, you know perfect moral goodness right and uh, uh, they they would want to make their argument on the ba- on that basis that from the perfect love or perfect moral goodness certain aspects follow uh, should follow since they do not therefore this specific uh, god does not exist so um i mean we're we're obviously going to reject that i think uh, for me uh the, the most obvious is to reject premise one uh, and obviously provide reasons for why we reject it. Uh, but I think there have been some philosophers who have uh, tried to resist premise two as well, although that's much more difficult. Uh, but 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 it's uh, I mean, it, it's it, it's out there. There are uh, objections to premise two. So, uh, Jake, why don't you tell us your thoughts on the argument and and which premise you would attack? Yeah, so let me just pull it up here to make sure I'm getting the order right. Um, if God exists, there are no non-resistant non-believers. I mean, I would just start off by rejecting premise one. <clears throat> so I know that um, some of the philosophers give other arguments in support of premise one. One of them is the the one, uh, what's his name, Schellenberg from Love, right? So he says, premise one, if there is a God, he is perfectly loving. If a perfectly loving God exists, reasonable non-belief does not occur. Uh, Premise three, reasonable non-belief occurs. Premise four, no perfectly loving God exists. Hence, there is no God. So I, I can say, okay, I'm fine with premise one. If there's God, he's perfectly loving. Premise two, if a perfectly loving God exists reasonable non-belief does not occur. Um, I would probably reject that premise. And then uh, premise three as well, reasonable non-belief occurs. I probably, more so than you guys, I'd probably reject that as well. But um, to start off, premise two, if a perfectly loving God exists, reasonable non-belief does not occur. I mean, what's the motivation for that? Why should I think that that's true? Just because a loving God, a perfectly loving God exists, that there can't be someone who doesn't believe in God and yet is reasonable. What's what's underpinning that? It seems to be an assumption, and I just don't think that it's correct. So I would say that that's false. And then I'd even make the stronger point that I don't think reasonable non-belief occurs. So I think that somebody, and this is much stronger, I think that somebody who completely rejects that God exists, I would say, does not take a reasonable position. Uh, And obviously, we would have to go into arguments on that. But that's part of what our show is about, is to try to provide rational justification for the belief in God. And I think that we've done that quite sufficiently, although there are other points that I would want to make on that to say why I don't even think 
somebody who doesn't believe in God uh, could hold a rational or reasonable position. But then I also want to distinguish between just the belief in God and the submission to his will and the worship of that one God. Because in Islam, simply recognizing that God exists is not sufficient to be uh, to have salvation, to be saved, so to speak. You can you can recognize that a creator exists and just say, well, yeah, the creator exists, but I hate him and I don't want to worship him and I don't want to submit to him. I don't like him. And to to say that, you know, that would be enough. No, God is not concerned with merely people recognizing him. You have to give God his just due and actually um, submit to his will and worship him. Otherwise, all this other stuff is just, um, you know, just a belief in God alone is not sufficient. And so I think this is important to point out because it seems to me that this, these arguments are only concerned with the mere belief in God or recognition that a creator exists, where, you know, seems to also be underpinning it. Well, how would we be punished? especially how would we be punished on Islamic paradigm eternally for not believing in a God that exists? And I know this isn't explicit in the argument, but it seems to be an extension of it. How would we be punished eternally for not believing that a God exists if we don't have sufficient evidence for him and we could have reasonable disagreement and say that he doesn't exist? And I'm simply saying that you're not punished merely for not recognizing that God exists. Even if you recognize that he exists, but you don't submit to him and you say, oh, well, yeah, God exists, but I hate him and I'm going to hell. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. Iblis is a perfect example of that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that that's not really what Islam is concerned with. Islam is not concerned with merely the recognition or belief in God. It's submission to him. Like you you brought out, uh, Shaitan is a perfect example who, who knows that God exists. He had direct communication with God and experience God and yet said, well, the hell with you. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And yeah. so it's just, <clears throat> so I think that that's an important thing to note as well. And like I said, going back to the original argument, the idea that, well, if God exists, then there are no non-resistant non-believers. I just don't see why that's necessarily the case. Um, we could also imagine a situation where you can say, well, yeah, if God wanted to, he could create the world in such a way that, you know, in the clouds that go across the sky, like every five minutes, it just says, oh, as a reminder, God exists. <laughs> or, you know, he could create something so obvious like that as an everyday reminder. But why couldn't we think of, well, maybe the case with God is because this life is a test, which is part of the Islamic narrative is that he's created the world in such a way and created human beings in such a way that we have sufficient evidence to know that God exists, which I truly believe. And I would support that as we try to do on here with rational argumentation, but also at the same time, he does not want to compel people to believe. Okay. So he's not interested in compelling people to believe. And so is the evidence that God exists sufficient enough without compelling, necessarily compelling uh, people to believe? 
yes, I think that's the case. And the divine hiddenness argument wants to argue that no, it's not the case. And then, so what I'm saying is eventually, I think it's going to wind up having to go back to evidence for God anyway. And that's going to have to be the uh, sort of de deciding factor on this argument. So this argument on its own, I don't think achieves what it's meant to achieve because I think eventually it's going to have to go back a step back further to, well, what actually is the evidence for God? And, you know, so that's where I think it's going to be settled anyway. Perfect. Jazakallah um, for that. Uh, so, I mean, Sharif, I, I, I saw that I'm supposed to be playing the shaitani advocate. So <laughs> the, the devil devil's advocate here. So I'm going to be pushing back a bit. Uh, and I'm going to be asking you because uh, I, I see I see a d difference between uh, non-reasonable non-belief and non-resistant non-belief. Um, do I need to elaborate or do you, do you see the difference? No, no, el like, elaborate. Because yeah. I understand obviously reasonable non-belief. Yeah. Yeah. But what, 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 what do you mean by non-resistant? So, so the way, the way the, yeah. So, so the way the argument is framed is that, so, so let's assume that belief in God is perfectly rational, right? And there's no uh, non, there's no reasonable non-belief. Okay. So, all non-belief is reasonable. But there still could be non-resistant non-belief in the sense that a person can just be irrational, not willingly. Maybe he's just, you know, not, uh, you know, intellectually up to the level. But he wouldn't be resisting a relationship with God. He'd be sincere. And mm -hmm. I think what the argument is trying to do is, is trying to say that if, if, if God is perfectly loving and he's this... Uh, perfect moral being then he should always be open to a relationship i know schellenberg the 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 um the the, the father of this argument he put, puts it in that way that it should be he should always be open to a relationship so let's assume that non-belief is irrational could it could it still be non-resistant in the sense that a person can be sincere but not see the reason in believing in god so I think uh, there's a few things here. I think firstly is what I would probably do is I'd probably take the argument, which is why is there disbelief uh, in the world? Is it against, quote unquote, God's plan? Does God want to create a world in which there is no disbelief? We know from an Islamic paradigm that if God wanted to create a, a world with no disbelief, yeah, that he could create that world. Yeah. In fact, in the Quran, it mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to the effect that if he wanted to create everybody under, under one deen, one religion, he would have done that. Yeah. But he that wasn't part of God's plan. So this idea that God wanted to create a world in which everybody was a believer, but then there is some disbelief. That's not a premise that we hold on to as Muslims. We understand that God wanted to create a world and created a world in which people will be tested as to see whether they were going to be sincere in their belief and their desire to submit to the creator or not, yeah, and gave human beings the free will. So that's, that's really important because we don't take a, a particular paradigm of what God wanted to create, yeah. So, that's, you know, that's, that's very important. And I think this is why a lot of these types of arguments tend to be arguments that are addressing a Christian or a hidden Christian paradigm, regards to the, the understanding of belief in God, that God wants this 
relationship, this communion with human beings. He created human beings so that he could love them and they could love him. And then something happened with human beings and that they had this fall of Adam and they corrupted their nature, etc., etc. That's not the Islamic paradigm. The Islamic paradigm was that this universe, this world was created as a test for human beings and therefore we're tested. And one of the tests is, are we going to recognize our creator and submit to our creator or not? And Jake's already answered that question, which is that it's not about necessarily acknowledging that God exists. We know from an Islamic paradigm that Iman, belief, is not just simply believing in God with your mind. It's rather submitting with the heart, testimony, you know, testimony upon your tongue, you know, testifying upon your heart, submitting upon your heart, recognizing also that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. And also some incorporate this idea of submission upon the limbs as well, or testifying upon the limbs, meaning you act according to what you believe as well as a, as a manifestation of your belief. So this is what Islam seeks to establish. Now, it has been the case that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given very evident signs for human beings. You know, because another argument that tends to be brought forward is, well, why don't we have these types of miracles that were given to Moses, Musa alayhi salam, or Isa alayhi salam? Yeah, why, why don't we have that today? Well, there were times where people were given very evident miracles, but they still persisted in disbelief. So it's not, it. so again, even this idea that there should be more evidence to such an extent that it compels the mind to acknowledge belief in a creator is not necessarily the case that even if you had that, you would willingly submit yourself to the Creator. Uh, and again, the, the shaitani example has been brought up uh, as well, uh, that they acknowledge. And, you know, we've got examples as well. So, uh, you know, there's many people on, you know, uh, atheists, like Dr. Lawrence Krauss, he had a debate with Uthman Badr in Australia. Uh, one of the brothers out there and in the debate he said even if God existed I would not prostrate myself to him yeah so and there's a there's a quote by uh, uh, Stephen Fry who's an actor and comedian in the UK where when he's told well what if God exists and you go to the pearly gates what would you say and he said you know bone cancer what's that yeah and he starts saying I would accuse God of committing great injustice and evil, yeah? That I, you're not worthy of worship or submission. So we, we have examples like that, yeah? So it's not the case that from an Islamic paradigm, just because you have evidence, even sufficient evidence, uh, like miracles as an example, that people would therefore submit because human beings have free will and it's, it's about submission, not just acknowledgement. That's sort of a really woolly general point the second point is this is all of this presupposes that there isn't sufficient evidence at the moment yeah so irrespective of miracles and what the prophets did in the past do we have sufficient evidence to establish a belief in a creator because the presupposition in this is again there isn't sufficient evidence and because there isn't sufficient evidence god would have given us sufficient evidence and that's the reason why people disbelieve and therefore God doesn't exist because God would provide sufficient evidence. But that presupposes there isn't sufficient evidence. What evidence would we be looking for? I think somebody in the comments section, he said, well, evidence of a Bigfoot would be footprints of Bigfoot. Yeah, that would be evidence for a Bigfoot. Yeah, because we don't have evidence. We don't have evidence of footprints of Bigfoot. Therefore, Bigfoot doesn't exist. What evidence would we expect of a necessary being? 
the evidence of a necessary being would be contingent beings. Contingent beings is what we observe, yeah? And therefore, it's it would therefore logically entail that a necessary being with intentionality created and was the cause for contingent beings. So, so again, there is sufficient evidence. That sufficient evidence, some people may acknowledge, some people not. And the third point, sorry to go on, sorry, Rob. You can jump in, uh, by the it's way. Okay. It's okay, it's okay. The third point is this, is let's say this point about reasonable disbelief. Let's say even if we grant people have reasons not to believe in God or reasons not to believe in Islam, there is within the Islamic paradigm evidence or uh, certainly a position that says that a disbeliever, a kafir, and somebody who's judged on the day of judgment will be judged based upon the information and evidence that they have, what occurred to their mind. If they had, quote-unquote, reasonable disbelief, yeah, either had certain reasons not to believe in Islam, let's say, gen uh, generally, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe, will take that into account. It's not the case that he will be punished, yeah? So it's not a case of the fact that he didn't see the evidence and therefore uh, yani he's going to be punished anyway. No, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish him based upon what he knew, not based upon the fact that he didn't see a particular evidence or an argument. Uh, and there's more to be said about reasonable disbelief because you could argue, yeah, it's reasonable at a certain point in time for somebody not to believe in God. They may have certain reasons, but over a lifespan, yeah, over the various arguments that come to them, then you can say, well, the person's no longer just being reasonable in his disbelief. He's rather being obstinate within his disbelief as well. So, yeah. Jazakallah khair for that. Um, I mean, one of the thoughts that comes to mind, and I, I'm going to ask you this, Yusuf, um, is is about, um, I mean, could there could there exist a sincere non-believer who isn't, so, so forget about Stephen Fry, Richard Dawkins, and, you know, all these guys who say that if they see God, you know, if they walk up to the pearly gates, they would still reject God. Um, think of somebody who would accept God if he if he sees the evidence, but he just hasn't seen it. Is there a? Do you think like um, maybe more psychological than anything? Do you think there there could be a non-resistant non-believer who is sincere, who if presented with the evidence, provided he has the intellectual capacity to grasp it, he would believe, but he just hasn't seen it. He would be seeking a relationship with God, or at least he's not resistant to it. Um. Does, does that person exist? Because I mean, if 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 we're if we're uh, if we're accepting premise two that non-resistant non-believers exist, uh, then, then then that person does exist. So, what do you think? Yeah, I would say definitely because you've got to keep in mind that a life is a series of moments, and you know if you're just pointing. Sorry, I got series opening up for some reason. Um, so yeah, a life is a series of moments, and you may come across someone who's a disbeliever now, who is sincere, who in the future will become a believer. You know, they, they may be at the very beginning of their life. We've seen shahadas where people have taken it, you know, in their 80s or however long, you know, much, much later on in their life. Um, and maybe sometimes some people go through a process of several decades of research before they eventually submit. Um, and that person could, in that state of disbelief, very well be sincere um so yeah i would say that is the case that you can have a you know someone who sincerely does disbelieve um and that you know they haven't 
come across all the arguments. They haven't come across the things that are going to make it click, so to speak. And, 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 and you think they could die in that state, right? Um, it's Yeah, it's possible. It's possible they could die in a sincere state. Um, whether or not that's a, a rational position is just a, obviously a completely separate thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so because for me that's one of the most obvious flaws with with uh, the way Schellenberg's argued. I've 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 read and seen him argue about one of the premises in one of his formulations that God should always always be open to relationships uh, if he is a, a morally perfect or all or perfectly loving God. I mean, of course, uh, uh, there's a caveat there. I mean, we're gonna have to we would have to discuss what perfectly loving means because I think perfectly loving from within a Christian and an Islamic paradigm are radically different. So there's also that aspect that I have with this problem and the problem of evil uh, as well is that, uh, you know, there's an aspect of subjectivity with regard to how you judge the consequences of certain perfections. And th these, are the, this, th these are the kinds of arguments you hear some atheists making as well with regard to perfection, right? Because when, when you talk to them, perfection and, you know, moral superiority and stuff like that, it's, th they always do put on that subjective lens. Well, according to who will subject it, uh, perfection is a value judgment. So how are you going to make that judgment? But so let, let's grant it, let's just grant the, the standard meaning of, of, of perfect love. And one of the problems I have is the bold claim that God should always, like always be open to a relationship, even during this finite life. Uh, like he, he wouldn't even consider, uh, you know, the, 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 the fact that the possibility of this person getting into an infinite uh, or sorry, eternal relationship with God in the hereafter as a sufficient answer. Because then there's that first part, that finite life where he would regard as, uh, you know, uh, lacking when, when, when you consider it in the light of a per perfectly loving God. And I think the problem with that is, 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 is that I, I think that's a very broad assumption. It's, it's, it's a bold yeah. assumption to make that it, it will always be the case. And I think this has to do, I was discussing it with a friend, a couple, a friend, a couple of days ago, um, uh, Fisher, John Fisher, and it has to do with doxastic volunteerism and involunteerism. Now what, just, just what those words mean there's just a very fancy way of saying like um you know of of, of describing two different positions in, in philosophy where you are able to choose your own beliefs versus you know uh involuntarism where you uh, are incapable of choosing your own beliefs and i think the the, the idea that that uh, god isn't uh uh you know immediately available to anybody who just searches for him like it's it got the existence of god couldn't be as obvious as one plus one equals two one plus one equals two is always obvious to anybody you couldn't not believe that one plus one equals two if i it's not uh, it's not that i tried i asked my daughter the other day what's one plus one <laughs> let's and she, okay. said eight, and she said 18 because that's her favorite number so I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm sure she doesn't understand what the words mean though, right? Because she couldn't, yeah. right? Because if you brought her two two toys, she'd know that there are two toys there. Well, I did right? it with my fingers. I was like, "How many's that?" She said, "One." I said, "How many's that?" So uh, then we deal with a different problem. 
<laughs> yeah, but assuming that everybody everybody does believe that one plus one equals two, and nobody could believe that one plus one equals five or, or eighteen, uh, that then then yeah, that that's the kind of belief that you can't not believe. So so you're coerced into that belief. There's no you don't have a choice not to believe it, and and I I think the problem is if if belief in God was like that, then. Uh, the, the theistic position or the, the theistic narrative that this life was created as a test to 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 you know test our our uh, you know moral conduct is becomes it just entirely collapses because if you can if if every time you look at the sky you see God and you see heaven and hell then how is what how is anything you do morally significant how is it morally significant if I if I have if I put a gun to your head and I'm trying to test you know, see, okay, what you're going to do. You need to do the right thing. If you do the wrong thing, I'm going to shoot you. And you know for a fact that you're going to get shot in the head. And you know that, you know, with absolute certainty, then, you know, your abstaining from doing immoral actions is not really morally significant. You're just being forced not to do moral acts. So so I, I've always thought that this idea that, you know, if, if, if God's existence was just as obvious as that, well, the whole theistic narrative would 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 kind of collapse so I, I i feel that this is one part of the argument that doesn't really take the theistic position seriously because yeah, because I, I think, uh, uh, yeah yeah go ahead no, go i was going to say i think what, what it is is that there are what you're giving you is a possible argument yeah so there's a possible way of explaining why it's not obvious yeah, in, in in one particular way so it, it's basically saying well one this divine hiddenness argument doesn't try to reduce the belief in a creator's uh, logical contradiction. It's about evidential. Is it plausible, you know, given the state of the evidence as it is uh, and our understanding of the nature of a creator? And you're giving one plausible argument. But let's take another plausible argument or possible argument. Uh, let's say that what God wants is not just belief. He wants what Jake said, submission. Let's say this is the 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 best way to create the most number of people to submit to god i the idea that it's not in a way which is directly accessible like one plus one equals two but rather it requires sincerity to seek out this intellectual answer this this rational answer that there is a, a creator and that therefore needs to sub you need to submit to so let's say that's actually the possible, the, the, the best possible world to allow the most number of people to submit is one where people will submit when they've gone through this sincere, rational, you know, hum, having humility process in order to come to the existence of a creator. So there's sufficient evidence, one. And secondly, is that this is the best way to get to the, the stated purpose, which yeah. is to have the maximum number of people saved. Yeah, I want to say something about this comment. He's saying the argument doesn't imply that believing in God would be like belie like believing that one plus one equals two. Yes, it does imply that. It does imply that because it implies that you know mere non-resistance gets you to God. So I mean, the only way you could not believe that one plus one equals two is if you were like psychologically resistant to it or something, or if you had some like you, you know uh, uh, um, problem like mental problem or or, or whatever uh, a deficiency in, in in your ability to to understand uh, the world around you but then the idea is as soon as you're non-resistant to the idea you're there because what schellenberg does is that he says that god should always that means there shouldn't be a moment where you are non-resistant 
to the existence of God where you're not already in a relationship with God. So you should instantly see it. And that's just uh, that that's just coercive belief right there. I mean, that's just something that you couldn't choose not to believe. Uh, uh, so, so um, the, I mean, if it were like what you're saying, and the argument doesn't imply a belief in God, it would be like believing that one plus one equals two, then, then we're fine with that because, yeah, then there could be non-resistant non-believers that, you know, get into some sort of gradual... Uh, uh, you know, journey towards belief in God, which I think is honestly more meaningful than than this just you know instant uh, you know zap in your head as soon as you're non-resistant. So yes, I think the argument does imply that believing in God would be like believing that one plus one equals two. Um, so, so I. Oh, did you mute? Sorry. Does Does anybody else have anything to say about premise one? Because I think. Um, We've dealt with uh, we've dealt dealt with it very fairly well. Of course, there's much more to say, but uh, 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 yeah, Sharif, I, Yusuf, yeah. I would just um, push for justification even more so on it. Like, like why is it like? I, I think you've pretty much just said the same thing, really. But like, why is it the case that there, um, if God exists, there are no non-resistant non-believers? I'd say that there needs to be a separate argument to justify this premise because it's just being put forward as a statement. We don't necessarily just have to go on the defensive. And Sorry, you're, to... you're talking about premise one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah if Carry God on. exists, there are no non-resistant believers. Why? Why is that the case? Yeah, well, like, well, normally they provide defenses of it from, from you know, the, um, you know, uh, perfect being theology as in like you know god's moral perfection god's perfect love and what that entails like the consequence of god's perfect love is that he would always want to be or he would always be open to relationship with yeah. non-resistant finite beings so that was the next thing i wanted to comment on so this being always being open so you know we, even within our theology we understand um allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the doors for repentance are always open so he is always open to it the issue is, is whether or not the person is going to reciprocate that. So, you know, the, 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 you can conceive of God being always open to developing a relationship with people and people resisting that opportunity. Um, even And sort of add further to it. So we have this understanding as well um, that everyone is born upon the fitrah. And there are arguments and essays that can collaborate this as well. So um, the essay by Paul Bloom, which talks about natural um, religion is natural. It's a very short essay. Um, but it, it, this article shows, you know, children, even when they're raised by atheistic parents, um, wherever they are on the planet, they naturally come to certain beliefs. That is, they believe, for example, in some sort of transcendental power. They believe in mind-body dualism so they believe in a soul they believe in life after death they believe in everything having an innate purpose like there's there's a lot of beliefs that children come to that are theistic in a, you know but all by themselves obviously they're very vague but they're there and within the islamic paradigm we we have this notion that we do testify prior to our birth that there is only one god and Allah says that, you know, um, and we say this, and then when we're held to account on Judgment Day, that we won't have any excuses because we've already testified. And this idea of kufr is this covering up. So that there is, we, and I, I really do think this, that 
there is a innate natural position that belief in God is the neutral position or belief in the supernatural belief in a higher power is a neutral position. Um, and then there's a lot of complexity that goes on to cover it, which is what kufr means to cover. And I mean, so this this is a good segue to, to, to premise to you. So, so I mean, so because it, it seems like you're saying that, uh, I mean, non-resistant non-believers don't exist. Is that what you're saying? Or because so because what do we mean by non-resistant again? Non-resistant. So so as soon as you don't have any like rational or psychological, you know, if you don't have any uh, ulterior motives to not believe in God, right? Like you, you're you're sincere. You're just looking for the evidence. You should be able to believe in God. Like like there's nobody who is sincere in that way who doesn't have that kind of internal resistance. Who uh, what's it called? Uh, doesn't believe in God because as soon as they're non-resistant, they immediately believe in God. Uh, the premise two reject premise two says that there are people who are non-resistant and still don't believe. See, I think with premise two, you can accept that you can have some people who are non-resistant who don't believe in God. The question is, is that could they be that way when you know over a period of time where the different arguments where they think about it themselves, where they contemplate, you know, I think that's the problem. That, that's when you find that, well, they go from being reasonable to a position of obstinacy, yeah, uh, because there's just too many arguments, too many angles by which you look at when it comes to the existence of a creator that seems to indicate, you know, even like, uh, I think Yosef was obviously mentioned about the fitter of a human being, but even many atheists will acknowledge, yeah, that belief in religion is natural in human beings and they might give some sort of evolutionary argument for it what they're yeah, basically what saying is, yeah but this is what the, the basic point is this is it's we're inbuilt we're innate we want to create societies where we have a metaphysical or supernatural beliefs or beliefs in in, in a theistic uh, god uh, or creator we want to do that this is what we want to do yeah, and then we've got good rational reasons to establish this, whether that's transcendental arguments, whether that's arguments in consciousness, whether that's contingency arguments or different cos cosmological arguments for the existence of a creator. All of these things seem pretty reasonable to be pushed in the direction of belief in a creator. So yeah, you might have at a particular moment somebody who's non-resistant and has a reasonable disbelief over a period of time and look my own experience i've never come across a atheist or a disbeliever non-muslim who was sincere yeah uh, and looked at the arguments and didn't become a muslim yeah i've never come across a person who i felt he's a really sincere guy but he just doesn't want to be a muslim yeah i've uh, every discussion i've had and i know that's anecdotal yeah so it's not justification for evidence but I'm just saying from my own experience, that's what I've seen. And I've seen the opposite, where I've seen people who will say to me, and Jake and you guys have heard it as well, where they'll say, you have a reasonable, logical position, but I just don't believe it. Yeah. So they will accept yeah. that it's logical and reasonable, but they just don't want to do it. And you know there's something, psychological factors regards this. Maybe it's because in their mind they've got Christianity in the background or the negative aspects of, you know, religions and things like that, that pushes them from really accepting the logical, rational position. Yeah, I, I think, um, um, I mean, I mean, one of the one of the 
you know the burdens this argument carries uh, one, one of its costs and uh is is the idea that you know god should always be open to a relationship so so you you don't have that transitional phase they can't afford that it's that non-resistant non-believers don't exist so and the problem also another 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 issue is that I mean, because if you do allow for a quick transition that, okay, so there's a period, then the person instantly sees it. Well, there's going to be an arbitrary, I mean, how long is that period going to be? How long are you going to allow for a person to transition from resistant to non-resistant than theist? Or is it resistant than theist instantly? Because if it's that, if it's resistant, then just, you know, the zap in the head and instantly theist, I mean, that's, I think, that's ridiculous. I, mean, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But if you're allowing for a transitional period, well, it, it's always going to be arbitrary. How, how, how long does the argument allow for uh, in terms of uh, this transition from uh, non-theism to theism? And, uh, and, and in that case, we're just going to appeal to, to some kind of like gradualism in, 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 in people, in non-resistant non-believers, in a non-resistant non-believers journey towards God. And, yeah, and exactly. I, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, well, what you say is, is is correct because what what do they mean? Do they mean non-resistance to uh, you know to acceptance? Are they saying that you know you, just because you have to go through a set of arguments and understand the evidence, it, does that negate belief in a creator? Does, it doesn't really make sense. And just as a final, yeah. I wanted to also mention this other point that I just uh, remembered. You know, when you talk about trivial, you know, truths like one plus one equals two. I think the, one of the one of the reasons as well, one of the possible explanations about why belief in a creator, particularly in today's day and age, in a very secular uh, day, uh, day and age, is because of the implications of these ideas. When you have certain ideas which have implications on a person's life, irrespective of the evidence, people will have cognitive biases yeah, or biases regards, regards to the evidence or cognitive dissonance regards to the evidence because it's about changing beliefs changing outlooks and that's difficult for people so it can be the case that these are very cogent clear arguments but what happens are there are psychological factors because of the acceptance that this is going to have an impact on a person's life that they are going to be resistant and they're going to try to bring arguments against it rather than just simply accept you know the so, the attainment of like a one plus one equals two because no impact yeah. in a person's life. Uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm a good example of that. As well. Sorry, Jake, you go first. Well, you can go if you want to make a quick comment because I'm going to be a while. If you yeah, so my comment was simply just that I'm a I'm an example of that. So like when I went from being like hard atheist to more agnostic, um, there was a period of time where like speaking to my friends, I got to a point where I pretty much had like affirmed the different elements of the shadow so i did believe that there was a god I, I did believe at some point that the and that it i kind of went i backstepped from this later on um but it wasn't necessarily because of any argumentation or anything like that it was just because of the context that it was in but so i, I would affirm that the, the quran was the word of god muhammad was was the prophet of god but i just didn't want to take my shahada and it was because I had all of these plans and these things that I wanted to do. Um, and becoming a Muslim was going to be something that got in the way of that. And so at that time, I didn't take my shahada. Um, and then I just continued sort of living as I was living. Um, and then I, I sort of stopped thinking about it. And so, you know, the the, the belief in all of these things just um, didn't interest me for a, 
a period of time. But I, I was there. I was like, I pretty much said or affirmed all of the points that would make you a Muslim. Um, specifically, or the only step that wasn't there was my testifying it properly um, and wanting to become a Muslim. Yeah. So the first point I want to bring up, I'm going to read some Quran verses here, uh, because <clears throat> if you're going to do an internal critique when come, people come on, they need to understand the Islamic theology and what our beliefs are. So in Quran chapter 49, verse 14, it says, the Bedouins say, we have believed. Say, you have not yet believed, but say yet instead we have submitted, for faith has not yet entered into your hearts. And if you obey Allah and his messenger, he will not deprive you from your deeds of anything. Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. So the point is there were people coming to the Prophet, he said, I'm saying, oh, we believe. And what does he tell them? Say, no, you submit. And if you look in the uh, throughout the Quran, when people came to the quote-unquote belief in God, or however you want to frame it, they said, like Abraham uh, said, Islam to alamin." I submit to myself to the Lord of the worlds. So what Allah or God from our perspective is concerned with is not just, oh, recognition that he exists. He's concerned with submission to him and worshiping him properly. Second thing is that this whole point about, well, people are claiming they just need a sign and they just need this. They need that. Why don't all these things happen like these miracles in the past? No. The Quran says, and they swear by Allah, their strongest oaths, that if a sign came to him, them, if an ayah, a sign came to them, they would surely believe in it. Say, the signs, the ayat are only with Allah. And what will make you perceive that even if a sign came, they would not believe? So, no, the Quran is challenging this idea that even if they have a sign, Oh, and even if they know God exists, they don't care. They just want to go on doing what they're doing. And the, the Quran is saying that this is not necessarily true. So second thing is we don't accept this narrative that, oh, if I just had a sign, I would believe and I would become Muslim and all this. No, the Quran is rejecting that. Third thing is in chapter four, verse 153, it actually talks about people who already believed had all the signs and then gives an example of what happened to them. It says the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, ask you to bring down to them a book from the heaven. But they asked, they had asked Moses of even greater than that and said, show us Allah outright. They wanted to see Allah directly. So the thunderbolt struck them for their wrongdoing. And who does that sound like? The, the modern day atheists. And then even after they had all this, they took the calf after Moses left for a short time and they even still had... Um, uh, Aaron with them, Harun with them, after clear evidence had, had come to them, what? And we pardoned them and we gave Moses a clear authority. So these were people who had clear signs from God and were still, oh, they were begging for, to, to see Allah. And they had all these clear signs. They had prophets with them and they started worshiping a, a golden calf, right? After Moses was gone for a short time. So we're... <coughs> Second point, a third point is that I want to dispel this notion that, again, we have clear, and again, this is our theology, so you can disagree with it, but this is coming from the Quran, that even people who had the signs, they went astray, even clear signs from Allah. Uh, another point is these people on Judgment Day, right? 
chapter 35, verse 37 says this, and they will cry out therein. This is talking about uh, people in hell and, and uh, after, you know, the world ends. They will cry out therein, our Lord, remove us. We will do righteousness other than what we were doing. So these are people that are in hell that were doing bad things when they were on earth. And they're saying, oh, just take us out, put us back on earth, and we'll do good deeds. What does he say? But did we not grant you life enough for whoever who would remember therein to remember? And the warner had come to you. So taste the punishment, for there is not for the wrongdoers any help. So he's saying, no, first of all, you guys already had enough of a chance while you were on earth. And if you're in hell, you deserve it, plain and simple. And there's another verse as well in the Quran that actually talks about these people asked to be sent back. And Allah says, even if we did send you back, you still wouldn't do what you're supposed to. And he calls them liars. So this is the Quranic uh, position. Now, another verse, I just got a couple more here on Judgment Day about this whole non-resistant, non-believer stuff. First of all, I'm skeptical of that notion. And I understand that you guys think that there are. Me and, me and Sharif are a little bit more skeptical. Um, you could call it wisdom. I don't know. But um, no, so these people uh, that are supposedly non-resistant, non-believers, let's say for the sake of argument that they exist, I'm very skeptical of them. And if they do exist, I think they're in very small number. But let's say there's some of them. Well, what does the law say? He says, so today, talking about day of judgment, no soul will be wronged at all. And you will not be recompensed except for what you used to do. So even if they did exist, right? The idea is those people who are quote unquote non-resistant non-believers will not be punished in hell for eternity. Because the Quran wouldn't do that. If they legitimately had justification for their disbelief, Allah will not send them to hell. They will not be wronged. Okay, so even if those people do exist, we don't have that problem because we don't believe that belief alone or the lack of belief, quote unquote, is not sufficient just to send somebody to hell. If they actually had justification for it, as Imam Ghazali uh, actually talks about, that if somebody was presented such a distorted version of Islam and they rejected it, well, then, of course, because they're not even rejecting something uh, that is the truth. Now, further on, uh, I think what really this comes down to is whether or not there actually is sufficient reason to believe for most people. And we would argue, I at least myself would argue that, yes, there is. And not only that, but that you are to serve and your creator and submit to his will. And I think we've tried to give arguments for that many times over. But what I think is going to happen is that these conversations, this argument is not sufficient on its own to really dispel the notion of a God. It's eventually going to go back to the actual arguments and evidence for God's existing. And on this, the Quran says, Indeed, the worst of the living creatures in the sight of Allah are the deaf and dumb who do not use reason. Those who don't use their aql, don't, those who don't use their reason these kind of people who actually have the ability to know that god exists and to serve him appropriately and they don't do it of course they're going to be in hell and god is just for sending them to hell 
Now, why does he say that these are the worst of living creatures? And on other verses, he actually compares them to cattle. But he says, no, you're actually worse than cattle. Why? Because a cow wasn't granted with the intellectual, rational faculties that man has in order to know his creator, right? And so they're not going to be blamed. You're not going to see cows in hell, that type of deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? But these people who have been granted that ability, and what do they do? They're kufar. Why? Part of the reason of, and the terminology is because they're ungrateful. They don't actually even use what God has given them in order to come to proper knowledge of him and submit to his will because they just throw it in the bin. And I'm sorry to say, but my experience of dealing with most atheists and these people online is we have, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but the Quran uses most a lot. So I'll use the word most. Most people walking around, they're worse than cattle. They don't use their intellect, and they're just a bunch of philosophical zombies walking around. And uh, I think that is the whole point. And then the final verse in the Quran, chapter 47, verse 24, it says, Do they not ponder upon this Quran, or are there locks upon their hearts? So those are your two options. You don't ponder upon this Quran, your heart is going to be locked up. And so with that, I know it was a bit of a lecture, but I think we needed to include some uh, Quranic verses and Islamic theology behind all this so people can understand the worldview and how the, this argument and these problems are severely lessened, if not completely evaporate, in virtue of the text that I just read. And I firmly believe in everything that I just read. So. Jazakallah khair, <laughs> Jake. I think Abdul Abdurrahman's probably a little bit busy because uh, he's still got his newborn that he's, uh, that he's still uh, looking after, inshallah. So, yeah, so no, alhamdulillah, I think that's, uh, it's I think what you're saying is really important because it, obviously the Quran has answers to these particular types of questions that are being raised by atheists or, you know, people who have a particular skepticism towards the Islamic belief or general belief in a creator. So I think it's really important to make this point because this is the Islamic paradigm because a lot of the arguments about divine hiddenness seems to be attacking the Christian paradigm, but when it attacks the Christian paradigm, makes the generalization about all theistic claims. And that's really, you know, quite problematic because then everybody starts to lump Islam into this. And I think, it, again, it just goes back to that singular point, which is if they're saying that God is not providing them sufficient evidence, really the question then becomes, what is that evidence that theists, Muslims in particular, point to to demonstrate the reason why we believe? Yeah, and you know the reason why we believe are the various arguments that we have, whether that's the rational arguments for the existence of the Creator or the the Quranic arguments uh, for the proof of the messengership, etc. Yeah, and Sharif, that's my point, is that this is going to go back to the arguments for God's existence and the evidence anyway, because the whole uh, sort of underlying principle of this divine hiddenness argument is already assuming that there isn't already good enough, sufficient, rational justification for the belief in God. That's part of the thing that's underpinning it. And of course, we reject it, and that's part of what we do here on TAP, is we try to provide that evidence. So, if, if I'm going to reject that and somebody brings up this argument, I'm saying it's immediately going to go to the evidence and arguments for God's existence anyway. And the battle is going to be had there as to whether or not there is sufficient evidence. And, of course, we're going to argue that there is.
Yeah, I mean, uh, when when the argument is approached like that, like from the angle of, hey, why is God's God's existence not obvious? Hey, where is the evidence? Uh, you know, uh, as some of the people in the chat seem to be, you know, alluding to, I, I think you're right. I mean, that just kind of begs the question because we think that the evidence is there, and we think that it is obvious, and we think that he isn't hidden. So if it's if it's approached in that sense, I mean, in, in, uh, from from that angle, then then yeah, it just totally begs the question because the person you're speaking to doesn't agree with you that it isn't obvious that God exists. Um, so, um, are we done like covering a good enough part of the argument for us to start the calls, or do you guys want? Yeah, to... I mean, I'm good to go. I'm fired up, baby. Okay, so um, <laughs> I don't know, Yusuf. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, I'm cool to go. Uh, we'll just... Yeah, we gotta what put the uh, we got we got we gotta put out the link. Yeah, so yeah, I've done that now. Do done that. That now. Yeah. All right, and I'm gonna pin it to the the chat. So... Okay. Yeah, and I just want to make an announcement, guys. Pre I mean, we'll take Muslims on if we have to, uh, but we want to give preference, obviously, to the atheists because this is you know sort of their problem, so to speak, and their argument. So we do want to front load any atheists or agnostics that think that this is a good argument and want to make a comment or question about this, uh, we would like to speak to them first, preferably. Yeah. And, and um, also keep it yeah. on subject. Don't come on and start rambling. Yeah. About yeah. We're not going uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, we're not going to go on to some other complete nonsense that's irrelevant to the subject. And then um, of course, theists are welcome. Christians, Muslims, if you, if you want to join. So I think we have our first guest. Seems to be a Christian. I think. Hey, reincarnation Hello. entertainment. Hi. 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 Guys, hi. You. hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, we're good, thank you. Very good. Please just introduce yourself. Tell us whether you're a theist, atheist, and uh, uh, you know what you think of the argument. I, I'm an atheist. I, I haven't actually. Just, I've just come into the stream. So, um, are we only talking about the divine hiddenness, or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Only divine hiddenness. Okay. Okay. Um, and and you missed everything we said. Pass pretty out. much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you you could just give us your thoughts on the argument, uh, I guess. I mean, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I spoke to Yusuf before. Um, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that. I remember. Um, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, nice to see you again. Um, well, I, I I've I've always argued that um, yes, God does remain hidden, and it's it's weird that if there is a God, why doesn't He sort of prove that He exists to all of us? Why, why doesn't he just do that? If, if, he, if he loves us or hates and loves some of us and wants us to do things, act a certain way, why doesn't he just come down and prove that he exists? So I have argued that, and, and that's basically the same as divine hiddenness, isn't it? I mean, that's what divine hiddenness yeah, really means. Yeah. Um, so I've always argued that. I mean, we did, we did try to answer that for the past hour, so it is a bit, fr <laughs> bit frustrating yeah, well, we that you missed all sorry, that. I apologize. We can I apologize. give him a little bit of um, a recap. So, like, basically, we would say in short, that he's not really that hidden, that there is plenty of evidence available um, to the, the sincere seeker uh, yeah. to establish belief in him, um, you know, the, the existence of contingent things in and of themselves, um, that, that, you know, existence, the fact that there is something rather than nothing, yourself, your own being, your, your own experience of consciousness, all of these type of things um, are things that make inference to the existence of a, a powerful being that created them all. Um, and because of that, we would say that it's, it's not that hidden. Um, you know, even the Quran refers to creation as ayat, as signs uh, for the existence of the creator. And 
I think this is it's quite clear, you know, as far as we're concerned. Um, and so that he's not that hidden. He's not that hidden. There are signs everywhere. Yeah, yeah when that just gets us into like arguments from like the argument for contingency and the Kalam, so you can actually present the evidence, though. Well, that's, that's, well, that, that, that's, yeah. that's what my point was, is that the, the divine hidden this argument in the way that you're saying it really doesn't do anything because then it just goes back to the whole argument yes. and evidence discussion yes. anyway and to see whether I, or not there is. I agree. So, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah, it does just get us back. And for, for so long, I spent time avoiding that as an atheist. I've been an atheist for quite a while now. And uh, I didn't really question the evidence too much. I always attack the definition of God, like why, you know. Um, but uh, I'm back to now to questioning the evidence for God, like the argument for contingency and the Kalam are my two main ones that I'm going for. Uh, and yeah. I have my little argument against that, but I, I, they're probably not very good arguments. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a big step back from atheism, to be honest, because I've been talking to people like you. Like EF, I've been on EF Dawa twice. And um, so... Have you I mean, watched what, your other streams, uh, Reincarnation? I've watched, yeah, uh, I've watched um, uh, your a, a bit on the miracles one. I thought that was quite interesting. Okay, and I've seen, I've seen a few because because uh, we did do a lot of streams on some of the arguments and evidence for God's existence, and um, I mean we could go over a couple things with you right now just for a little bit, but I do recommend that you watch those streams where we went into them in some detail at greater length. So okay. Um, yes. Because uh, if you agree, if I mean, if you agree in, in principle with what I'm saying, that eventually, I mean, well, yeah, then it just goes down to whether or not there is sufficient evidence. And so that's going to push us back to the arguments anyway. Then it seems to me that this argument for divine hiddenness against God isn't sufficient to really either be even probabilistic against God's existence or show that he doesn't exist because it's just going to beg the question and go back to whether or not there is any evidence anyway. So, um, yep. I mean, um, I don't know how you guys want to pursue this. Any yeah. I was just going to ask him what, what, how do you understand the contingency or the cosmological arguments? So um, far on what weaknesses do you think you think yeah. he, uh, they may have? Well, well for the argument for contingency, uh, I don't really know the, the premises very well, but uh, like I do with the, with the Kalam, but uh, I know it's also about necessary existence and contingent and contingent things. And I think I, I think maybe that's a false dichotomy, because there could be something which changes but still exists, something which can be dismantled, but it actually still exists within everything. So the original thing uh, that created everything else um, may have changed; it became dismantled, and now it exists. It's imbued within everything. And that's that's what I'm sort of leaning towards believing, rather than necessary existence. Uh, but I may have got that wrong. And, like uh, a Lego, like a Lego, and then Lego re disassembles mm. and then reassembles maybe. into another. Well, I think maybe. what it is, we need to understand what contingent is because contingency um, doesn't have to Im imply beginning to creation, yeah, or beginning right. to the thing that exists. You can have theoretically a contingent thing that exists but theoretically is eternal we disagree with that but i'm just saying for the sake of the argument contingency fundamentally is about how the existence of the thing itself and its properties are not explained by its own existence yeah so for example i always give this example the red triangle yeah the property red is a contingent property yeah. So even if you had an eternal triangle, a triangle that's always existed, 
the fact that it's red as opposed to blue or green or yellow requires an explanation. That explanation is not contained in the existence of a triangle, like three sides. Yeah, three-sided triangle is that the very definition or the property of being three sides is in the very definition of being a triangle. So its existence, its property is explained by its existence of a triangle. Yeah, three sides. But the color right. red is not. Does that make sense? Uh, I wasn't quite following. So I'm, I'm okay. also, I quite poor concentration. But, uh, not, uh, no, but let me, oh, let me just repeat yeah. it really quickly again. So okay, if you've got, tri you got a triangle, it has to be yeah. three sides, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be three sides, yeah. Right. So that's a property. The property of a triangle is that it has three sides. Now, do we ask the question, why does a triangle have three sides? We just say it's true by definition, isn't it? True by definition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. meaning the existence of the triangle explains the existence of why it has three sides. So we're not going to go outside of the existence of a triangle to say, why does it have three sides? Just mm -hmm. true by definition. Now, if it was a red triangle, the property red of the triangle is explained by it being a triangle. Could you have a blue triangle? Yes, you could. Yeah, it's not. It's not. That doesn't explain it being a triangle. Yeah. Exactly. So now you're seeing this property that is not explained by the existence of the triangle. So you're going to ask the question, why is it red? You're not going to ask the question, why is it three-sided? But you are going to ask the question, why is it red? So now you're looking for an explanation outside of the triangle, other than the triangle. So even if the triangle existed for eternity, it would still be a contingent thing. Yeah? Right. So we would still need to have an explanation outside of this triangle to explain the triangle. So that's where necessary comes in. And necessary being is whose existence is contained within its own self or its properties contained within its own existence. And it's eternal. Yeah. So mm -hmm. therefore, that would be the basis by which fundamentally explains all contingent beings or contingent things that we right. see. So we need to have a necessary foundation. So that's why we can move from contingency to necessary. So contingency doesn't mean that it began to exist. Contingency means that it has properties that could have been another way than the way it is. I've heard it described as possibly absent. Yeah, possibly absent. That's the yeah. second way. So the first way is that it could be in a different way. Yeah, could be. Mm -hmm. It's a properties could have been different than the, the properties that we see. That's yeah. one way of identifying contingency. The second way is possible existence, meaning it doesn't have to exist. It could exist, it could not exist. If we can identify one or both those things, we don't have to identify it could have existed or could not have existed. We can just identify the fact that it is a contingent property, meaning a property that could have been another way. If we can identify at least one of those aspects of a thing, then we're going to call it contingent. Yeah. And therefore, we're going right. to ask, what is it dependent upon? But isn't there that third option that I'm talking about? That there's something which it's impossible for it not to exist, but also so it's kind of it has an element of necessary, but it also has an element of contingency because it can change. It can be dismantled, like you were talking about the Lego box being dismantled. So can it be? Can there, can there be a third option? That third but option. It, I'm talking about. That, but you're it, still at, you're still admitting to a necessary being there anyway. I mean, really? 
you're still admitting to a necessary being there anyway because yeah. it was i don't see that what's that i don't see that why is that necessary if it can change if it can be dismantled joshua rs museum says because the original it, thing the original state was necessary and then even if it changes from there it still was necessary originally there's still something that you're originally to originally it had sorry there's still something that you're appealing to that's eternal yes originally it hadn't changed but then at one stage it changed this is what i'm trying to get up to that's why that's why i believe in so if that's necessary then that's necessary but it's not, so, it's, I, so I you're saying there has to be something that's eternal yeah yeah so it's, it's gonna be eternal but it, but it changed and now it exists within everything so it's still yeah. changed from one state to another state automatically but it, yeah but the reason why does it, would... does it have a fundamental is it made up of something fundamental so even it, if it's it changes, made up, I'm not sure what you mean by fundamental. So it's made so, of something you know, physical. Sheriff, so Sheriff gave the example of the Lego. So yeah. you, you know you've got these Lego pieces, and you know you can take them apart and build them in different ways. And so there's this change taking place. But mm. those Lego pieces are always there. That mm. that's the fundamental aspect of it. So the, the the Lego is always present. The Lego that would be the fundamental substrate of reality. And so if you're saying that these Lego bricks can change, you know, formation and they can be taken apart and put back together again, the Lego bricks themselves would be considered necessary here because they've always existed. Whether or not they change form or shape, there's still a necessary existence of some sort, that being in that example, the Lego. Right, but new Lego blocks can be sort of created from it. <clears throat> they can be like new Lego blocks coming up, coming up from it. I guess it's kind of sort of like that. But now I'm thinking in terms of like matter, and that's like, I don't know. Just really quickly. So um, if you're looking at contingency, what you're looking at is if this thing X, let's call it X, if this mm. X, which is eternal, and it could become something else, the thing that it becomes, does it become contingent? If it becomes contingent, then itself is not necessary yeah it's a self-contradiction something cannot be necessary and contingent i or something that cannot be eternal and then cause itself to be non-eternal at the same time uh would be an impossible existence does that make sense i think sort of yeah i mean it, I, as i say i do think the thing that created everything else is eternal but it just it just it's but yeah, I'm just going to repeat what I just said. It, it changed. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to, uh, how, what else to add was, was my point to that. But um, yeah, and I, I think. If I move on to my actual argument, would be that um, so we live in a universe of change, and for, for an original thing to create something new, the original thing had to change. I mean, that, that's examples of basically everything there is in existence: energy changing into matter, or um, you know, a, a tree, be a human intelligence changing into a table. The, the table doesn't just pop out the tree. It, you know, it changes into. So, so how about so how about change. reincarnation? Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I just I just don't want us to go too long on this argument because it's not specifically the the the, the 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 topic. But then um, I just how about we try to simplify it? So so just think of like all of reality, the reality we exist in, with these random stuff around us, seemingly like arbitrarily limited, right? Uh, like they have these properties, like right? something is green and not red, it's blue and not yellow, it's, you know, uh, different shapes, different forms, different properties, basically the world we live in. And we look at stuff and we investigate 
the way these things work, what caused them, what's the reason this thing is this way and not that, why is it limited in this way uh, and not another. So just think of all of that reality. Just put all of that reality in a box, all right? Just, 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 just a thought experiment, right? And do you think it has an explanation? the reality as a whole, like all of these stuff that are just changing and that have limitations, everything within this uh, material world that we uh, we experience. Do you think that this reality as a whole has an explanation? So if, if, if you accept like the classical laws of logic, the law of excluded middle, either it has an explanation or it doesn't have an explanation, right? Um, you don't really have to commit, like, you know, to say 100% it has an explanation, but would you looking at that box with everything in everything in the box, right? Everything yeah. contingent in the box. Would you lean towards explanation or no explanation? Well, I would say space, time, energy, and matter was created from something else that was eternal. So it has an explanation for its existence. Okay. So, so, so now that we're there and it has an explanation, do you think we can say anything about that explanation? Like anything at all? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it's eternal. Yeah. You said it's eternal, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it's immaterial, not made of space, time, energy, matter. I would say physical. I don't think it's made of nothing. Um, uh, yeah, but it, it depends on what you mean by physical, right? Because um, mm, like, are, right, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you going for like a, a, a broader physicalism where physicalism, where phys physical things can be whatever physics discovers physical things to be. I mean, so it depends on what you mean by physical. Do you mean like the fundamental yeah. particles of this universe or? Well, I wouldn't, because a particle is like a bit of matter, isn't it? It's like a small bit of matter, a neat amount of matter. So yeah, so, so what do you mean by physical? So by physical, It, it has yeah. a substance. It has, it has a, a substance, yeah. yeah, something real. Yeah. yeah, fine. So there is something real. It's not spatial. It's not material. Yeah. And it caused the world to exist. Where, how far do you think you are from God in, in that? Like, uh, would you just remain agnostic about? Like, do you think if we added a will to that, you'd be, you'd have a God that would be that's far the, enough? That's the thing I get into with my with my debate partner is that um, I think it's an automatic creation. Um, it happened automatically, not with, without will. Um, Natural. Has it always been happening, or did it just happen at some happened, point? Well, I think it. Ha I think it happened. Well, without time, it, ha it happened outside of time, um, without without will, and it happened once, probably. Well, then, how do you explain the beginning of the universe if it's if it's fourteen point whatever billion years old? Yeah, yeah. No, I think space, time, energy, and matter began to exist. But that the universe itself, depending on what we mean by that, is 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 essentially eternal. Yeah, but he's asking you. He's asking you why it has a specific age. So why at that point? Why not on another uh, another point? Like, why is it specifically that age? If there was no, you know, mm -hmm. will to choose what specific well, point it wanted well, to actualize it. Why does it have to be so? Why does it have to be will? Why couldn't it be an automatic, like a mechanical? No, but if it was automatic, why is it only fourteen? 0.8 billion years ago. I don't understand. Um, why is it only 14? I've never. Yeah. Been, why? Never why not 13? Why not? Why not 13? Why not 22? Uh, um. Well, yeah. Well, no. Why? I mean, I guess we could ask why, but it's, that's a confusing question to me. Uh, off the top of my head, I can, no, I can try I to mean, be... What our answer is that because God has a will and He created it 
at mm. that moment. So I don't understand how you get, and this goes back to the argument for the will, how you get a temporal effect from an eternal cause. How you get an temporary effect from an eternal Well, God is an eternal cause, isn't he? He's eternal. Yeah. So how do you get a temporal effect from an eternal cause without a will? Well, I, as I say, all I can use is the word, this is the thing I get into with my debate partner. All I can use is the word automatic, that it just, it just yeah, happened. But I'm saying if it's automatic, if it's automatic, why isn't the effect also <laughs> eternal with the cause? I don't understand. Sorry, why isn't the effect eternal with the cause? If the cause is eternal the and the cause is automatic, then it would automatically produce the effect and therefore the yeah. effect would also be eternal alongside <clears throat> the cause. I don't see why it would have to be yeah, eternal. Reincarnation, if A, if A is sufficient for B, so A being the necessary entity and B being the contingent world, if A is sufficient for B, then whenever there's A, there's B. So is A sufficient for B? Is the necessary being sufficient or the necessary entity sufficient for causing the contingent world? It has to be. You said it's automatic. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's sufficient, then whenever there is A, there's B. So why isn't that the case with your necessary B? Well, what we're talking, well, yeah, what we're talking about, is it, how do you pronounce that word? Antecedent. This is antecedent properties. Like something that has to, has to occur. Something that logically exists before the other thing. So A has to, B has to follow A. Yeah, they, yeah they but logically, my, my whole thing is that you're saying it's automatic. If something is yeah. automatic, it just happens. That's it. It doesn't. Yeah, but it, it doesn't. Only it's, not, it's not like in a certain state for however long, and then all of a sudden it just happens out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah reincarnation. So go, go on, reincarnation. Yes, so, sorry. Oh, sorry. It just because it, it it happens automatically. It only had the power to do it once. It okay, so then it wasn't sufficient to produce the effect prior to it, then. So that means there some had to be some type of change that allowed it to then be sufficient to produce the effect. So it wasn't always sufficient to produce the effect. And then you'll have to explain. So if you if you want to say that change itself is mechanistic, you'll have to explain how it took an eternity for that change for that well, necessary was, change to occur. I mean, I think when you say eternity, it's like that's an eternity of time. I mean, yeah. Well, I can also ask a question. Can I just ask a question? How did God create with will? You would say using will, but yeah, he I'm will. Well, this, well, well, let me ask this reincarnation so we can cut to the chase. Why do you think it doesn't yeah. have a will, or, or are you just agnostic about it? No, no, um, why, why doesn't it have a will? Well, yeah, why, why you is it your, yeah, yeah, why do you well, think it does not have a will? Well, I don't think it has intelligence, but I mean, uh, I let's, I let's, let's stick with will because intelligence complicates things. Uh, let, let's stick with will, like, because we know what a will is, right? Like, I will, I willed to come on this call, right? I had a will, and I decided. So, why do you think that this necessary entity does not have a will? Well, I don't believe in free will, but what, why? Why does it have? Why doesn't it have a will? Uh, I've never been asked that question. That's actually a really good question. Before I never, I've never really considered like why it doesn't have a will. I just always argued for automatic creation. Um. Why doesn't it have a will? Can I help? I you just feel like, why does it have a will? Sorry, I, I can't. I can't think. Of so let, let me head. let me help you out. Maybe you could argue. Maybe you could argue that it's yeah. simpler. It's a simpler explanation. Yes. 
yes, I, I have argued that before in the past. That is simple. Okay. But is it is it a simpler explanation that I don't have a will? Because, because you know, you know, you know, in philosophy, you know the problem of other minds, right? No, no. I'm not, I don't know much so, about philosophy. It's okay. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. So the, the problem of other minds is basically how do you know minds other than your own exist? Basically, you have access to your first person subjective experience. You have access to your experience, but you don't have access to anyone else's experience. It could be the case. I mean, it's conceivable. It might be ridiculous to think about, but it's conceivable that, you know, the humans around you are just robots or zombies or figments of your imagination. Why do you attribute will to things or minds to things other than yourself. Uh, now, you can think about that for a bit, but uh, yeah. just, just to, to tell you where I'm going with this, is that uh, I think the most fundamental, at, at the core uh, uh, you know, level of, 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 of our reasoning, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not just automatic, you know, it's not, it's, we infer it, obviously not not consciously, but we infer it from the behavior of things. If I look at a rock tumbling down a mountain or a hill, right? How how do I know it's just? How do I know it's not moving itself? It doesn't have a will, right? It's just reacting to its physical surroundings. Well, because it seems to be behaving in a way that's just deterministic. It's just cause effect. You throw it moves. The wind blows it, it moves, you know? Uh, it reacts to gravity in that way. There's no resistance that's not a direct result of its physical surroundings. So objects around us, they only react to their physical surroundings, and we don't see them behaving in a way that's not predictable, like my laptop is not going to suddenly get up and go get a cup of tea, right? So, so we know that they behave in a way that's bound by their physical constraints. But when I look at a cat, so I have two cats, right? So when I look at my cat and suddenly the cat decides to jump on the couch. Well, I, I can't explain that from anything that happened around the cat. It looks like the cat decided to do that on its own, right? It's not like something pushed it up or kicked it up, right? Mm. So I, I think at the very basic level, we look at the world around us and there's most things are just, you know, objects that react to their physical stimuli. But then there are a few things that seem to be behaving in a non-deterministic manner, in a manner that's not predictable, in a manner that seems like, okay, this person is moving his own self, right? Now, that's the core. That's, 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 I think that's the foundation of how we can come to know that things have wills and minds. And you said you don't believe in free will. I, I might understand why, because we have these physical surroundings that might be influencing us to do things. But you believe in a necessary foundation that doesn't. So maybe you could make that argument for us, although I wouldn't agree with it. I think we do have free will. But for the necessary foundation, what physical stimuli could it have to move it? I mean, it's, the, it's at the very bottom. It's at the core. It's at the beginning of the causal chain. There is nothing else that influences it. So the the, the idea here is that I think if, if 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 I were to witness this necessary entity, just causelessly, as in without an antecedent cause that precedes it, doing things like creating the universe, I would have more reason to believe that this necessary entity has a mind or a will 
then I do believe that you or my wife has a mind or a will, right? Might get in trouble for that, but you, you get you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. I think it, I'm vaguely, vaguely. Yeah, I, I'm not really. I'm not good at following what people say. I'm surprised that. So um, let me let me put it this way: People move themselves. It it looks like the difference between you and a rock is that you are moving yourself. There's nothing outside of you pushing you to move, and yeah. there is Maybe definitely a lot of stuff outside of a rock pushing it to move. Right. So so reincarnation. What what Abdul's saying: If you saw a rock on a flat piece of surface and it's moving, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's no way we can explain any external cause for its movement. What are you going to think about that rock? There's no, but you, what you can't explain an external cause that moves the rock. No, there is no explanation. What well, you think there was there? Let's say there wasn't. Let's say you've okay. investigated it. Let's say you, you see these little legs walking around in the rock. What yeah. are you going to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> so if there were little legs walking around, yeah, then it was, then it was walking itself. Of... You, you would say you okay. use the it was walking itself, right? Yeah. So you're going to infer some sort of will, isn't it? Intentionality, agency. Well, well, that that comes from within the brain, wouldn't it? It would come from within the brain. I was saying that. Does it, it, the... it, yeah. It doesn't matter about the brain because I don't need to. Phys I don't need to see your brain in order to know you have will. Yeah, because I can infer the fact that because you have agency, you're like that rock on a flat piece of surface walking around. You're doing things that cannot be explained directly through physical laws. You know, antecedent physical laws causing you to do what you're doing. Yeah, I can infer a will. So what Abdul is saying here, Abdul here is saying, he's saying that when you see something that acts non-deterministically, you understand that it has a will, it has agency, the power to do things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's saying because we come to a conclusion that there's a necessary being, the necessary being is doing things according to its own internal self. By definition, that would be called will, or at the very least, agency. It's not doing something that's compelled by something other than itself. Yeah, that sort of brings me back to the brain again, because it's like, I think in the brain, everything is just going on automatically, like clockwork, sort of mechanically, automatically. Yeah, but we can, we can grant you that. Remember what I said? I said we can grant you the brain because you have physical stuff around us that maybe you can appeal to. We don't agree with it. But for the sake of this argument, I can grant that to you. you can, you're going to say we seem to be free, but there's this stuff in the brain that explains it and we're actually not. Fine. Okay. We're not but free. Then in the, in it, but we're not free. But in the case of the necessary foundation of reality, I mean, how are you going to appeal to something? mechanistic because there is gonna there's gonna be a limit so if, if it's a mechanistic process that initiates creation then that mechanistic process is internal to this necessary being right because there's nothing outside of it that compels it to react it's just the necessary foundation right so if it's mechanistic from within it well then still you're gonna have a causal chain and it's gonna reach a point where you know there's an edge there it's not gonna it's not gonna go like you know ad infinitum all the way backwards you know turtles all the way down then and you're not gonna get 
any action, right? But then, so so since there's going to be an edge, even if you want to appeal to something mechanistic, within that necessary foundation, there is going to be something there that's behaving without anything causing it to behave, without anything as an external to the thing itself causing it to behave. And you're going to have to accept that. Otherwise, there is something external. So what I'm saying is, you, you know, you believe I have a, a mind at least or a will. So you, you can put free will aside. Just think of mind. You believe I have a mind because I behave in these ways that are non-deterministic. I'm not just pushed around by my physical surroundings. And I'm saying you have more reason to believe that the necessary foundation, which necessarily couldn't be pushed around by physical surroundings because it has none, you have more reason to believe that that has a mind than you do believe that I have a mind. That, that's, that's, that's the gist of the argument. That's, that's how I think about this, just generally speaking. Does that make sense, reincarnation? Or are you, uh, uh, it, 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 it does, does a little bit. Yeah, it does a little bit. I, have to, I think I have to go away and think about it some Can more. Can I give you a third argument to think about? Okay, so, ahead. You, you, you know, when we talked about the red triangle and we said yeah. the redness is a possible property of a triangle. Yeah, it's not a necessary property. And we're saying, well, you've got all these possibilities of colors that the triangle could have. Because it has one possibility out of a number of possibilities, what are you going to infer about the cause for the triangle? So we, we said there has to be a cause to explain why this triangle is red. It's red, now, yeah. There's all, the there's all these the options. There's all these options of what it could have been, but yeah. one was selected. So, what can we say about that cause that selected one possible option over a number? It was selected somehow. Something. You, you, I, want to, I would want to say something selected it. Or yeah, and you'd probably say intentionality. Well, in the case, of, yeah, in the case of a triangle, someone would, a human would have coloured it red. Yeah. So. so there's intentionality. What I'm saying is this: I'm laying the foundation. The foundation is this: is that when you've got a number of possibilities and one possibility is selected, it requires some sort of intentionality to select one out of a number of possibilities. <clears throat> now and, you and could say, that... yeah, but maybe there's a machine. Maybe there's a machine that selects it. But then even that machine that selects it selects it from a code and then you still have possible codes and one of them has to be uh, actualized out of a number of possibilities I so isn't that what you call the anthropomorph anthrop anthropomorphic fallacy anthropic <laughs> it's different to, um, yeah it's different to the anthropic principle yeah it's similar okay. to this point but it's not it's not the same thing all no, I'm saying is this is that you've got this eternal X yeah so it's eternal X. We're just going to call it unknown for the time being, but we know it's eternal. We know it's necessary. Yeah. And we're just yeah. trying to see, well, is this eternal X? Can we say anything else about the properties? We know this eternal X selected properties out of a number of possibilities. So it made well, a maybe, selection process. But in the case of the universe, maybe, maybe, maybe this uh, sort of space, time, energy, matter, maybe there was only one possibility that it could always be. But then you're but saying that imagine. everything is necessary. That's the problem, is it collapses and makes everything necessary. 
And we know that not everything is necessary because he made the distinction between the triangle and the color of the triangle. And that shows that not everything is necessary. Therefore, right. you wouldn't be able to say that. But um, It would make more sense, reincarnation, would it not, yeah. to say if you got a necessary X that yeah. select actualized one out of a number of possibilities, the ability to do that and consistently so, yeah, would be uh, would require some sort of intentionality, an intention to do that. An intention implies will. That would make more rational sense. To say it's necessary that the universe had to be the way it is, you have to provide an argument to demonstrate why it is necessary. Yeah? For example, if I was to turn around and I was to say... A triangle is three sides. Then I have an argument to demonstrate why a triangle has to be three sides, or why bachelors are unmarried. I have an argument, yeah, to demonstrate why that's necessarily the case. But there's nothing necessary in the universe. It's a contingent thing. Yeah, the the Planck's constant could have been another uh, figure than the figure that that it is at the moment. Yeah, which is a universal constant of the universe. So you've got possibilities all these range of possibilities and then you've got something x that's eternal that selects one out of a number of possibilities the best explanation would be will intention okay okay but it, it, yeah i just my mind just keeps wondering it's about not compelled because but. the necessary being can't be compelled can it it can't be compelled, compelled to do something yeah because is compelled implies something external is causing it to do something. Yeah, there's nothing external to, to, to the original cause exactly. of something else. Yeah. So it's internal. So what's the opposite of compulsion? What's the opposite of compulsion? To not be compul com compelled to do something. Um, well, if, it's free will, isn't it? To be free. To be free, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if this necessary being is not compelled, you said it's not compelled because there's nothing external to it to compel it, the opposite of that would be free will. Free, 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 free will. Yeah. Um, I don't know really where to go with that because I just, I just haven't thought about it enough. Uh, I, I know I haven't thought about it enough. I'm only thinking about this specific uh, counter to the to – the, um, to that opportunity so for a few – yeah. Now, so, so, so reincarnation, you were given, you're given three, actually four arguments here for a will. Right. The first right. argument is contingent things began to exist. Yeah. So they had a beginning, whereas the necessary being is eternal. The necessary cause is eternal. If you have an eternal cause, you have an eternal effect. If there's no choice, but you don't have that. You have an eternal cause, but you have an effect that is not eternal. It begins. Yeah. So the best explanation in that situation would be somebody intended to cause at this moment. The second argument that Abdul gave, yeah, was an argument to say that when you identify something is not compelled externally, yeah, to do an act, you identify that it is internal from the will. Like the rock rolling down the hill compared to yeah. a rock running around on a flat piece of surface. Yeah, yeah. you're going to think... It's alive, yeah? I, it has a will. Um, 
And the third argument is when you've got a number of possibilities and one is selected, to do the ability to select or actualize one out of a number of possibilities requires a will. And the third one was the fact that this thing, this necessary being, is not compelled, which we agree, because there's nothing external to compel it. So the opposite of compulsion would be free will. So it makes free most will. sense. <laughs> makes most sense. If we come to the conclusion that there's a necessary being, the most the the best explanation, the logical entailment, if you want to use that word as well, uh, makes the fact that this necessary being has a will. Yeah, has decided a will. to create. And there's no yeah, arguments I mean, I... to say uh, why we would say compelled. In fact, the idea of a necessary being compelled automatically to create seems to contradict the whole notion of what a necessary being is. Yeah, okay. we're gonna, you can make a final comment, but I think we're going to have to move on because most of this oh, yeah. has been on contingency argument, and we do want to get to uh, some people who are waiting that might have comments on the divine hidden. But reincarnation, point. come back on later on, but have a think yeah. about these points. Yeah, have check a, out some our other, other streams. streams. Okay. Yeah. We, sure, had, we had sure. a stream on this. We had a stream about from necessary being to God, Yeah, which was a second stage yeah, episode, of episode contingency six. argument. It's episode six of I, I think it's the most interesting argument. I'll just end with saying for the for the existence of God, that and the Kalam and the fine-tuning argument. Uh, and it's something I have to study a lot more and think about a lot more before I can draw any conclusions. But I, I do feel my atheism being pushed back a little bit. I'll admit that. You know, it's being pushed back a little bit, pushed back a little bit from my agnostic atheism, from just like, I'm not almost certain yeah. anymore that there's no God. I'm like, probably no God. But um, You've, be, you've definitely shown me a thing or two that I need to think about, and uh, I'll come back on the stream sometime. And but reincarnation, wouldn't you want wouldn't you want to be wrong as well of your atheism? <laughs> what, you mean Pascal's wager? Whatever it is, wouldn't you want this idea that there is meaning, <laughs> there is purpose, well, no, I don't like the idea of objective hell. morality? I don't like the idea of hell. I, I fear death, so I don't There is let's eternal be paradise. Oh, it's not only hell, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is the ability to have absolute bliss. Yeah, wouldn't you want to have that? The, the idea that there's more meaning than just this cosmic nihilism, that we're just accidents, yeah, and that we're just robots thinking we have the illusion of consciousness and free will. You know, it seems to me, even if I put my, you know, put myself in an atheist shoes, I'd want to be wrong. And then no, there because there's compelling hell. arguments. What's that? No, because the, the idea of hell is so horrible to me that I hope, I think almost for certain nothing bad happens after you die, but it could be something bad uh, for all of us. Um, and that's quite that's me, that makes me fear death. But we believe I, we we believe God is merciful, and that yeah. anybody who's sincere, yeah, uh, then Allah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the Creator, He will show mercy to that person. Yeah, the doors to repentance yeah. are always open. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact that there's a hell at all is, is really just like I think I think that's like almost psychological terrorism. That there's like the, the idea of hell that someone <laughs> Yeah, well, well we talked about that on the other stream, problem of evil. So I mean you can check yeah, that, that out. Was... Well. But we're, we're gonna have guys, we're gonna have to move on.
Yeah. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank thanks a much. lot. It was good talking to you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot. Very much. Thank you. Much. Take Bye. care. Bye. Okay, take care. Before you bring somebody else on, because we're going to go to Carlos next. He was waiting in and out the longest. <laughs> I just want to address one comment here. When Sharif and I were talking about contingency, our good friend, uh, Mr. Cease to Know, nonsense. You have no grounds to claim what is actually contingent and what isn't. <laughs> Wow. So, um, wow. I actually invited him on. I said, I would like you to make that comment. Um, please make that comment on video so we can capture atheists <laughs> who say that we can't actually, you know what he would probably do? Well, you know what? What about this pen? Is it necessary? <laughs> it's irrelevant. Yeah, we would get, it's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. If you can't tell the difference between one plus one equaling two in my pen, then sorry. Enjoy your atheism, my friend. I'm looking for Should the pen emoji Carlos now. <laughs> yeah, yeah Carlos, it's already up there. Yeah. How do you, Carlos? Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Hey, Carlos. Hi. It's been a while. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Yeah. Is my audio okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a little crappy. Yeah, it's not too bad. Okay, yeah. So for some reason, my internet's really rubbish. I keep dropping out, so I may drop out. with just persevere, see how we go. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting conversation what we was having before. Um, I know we've talked about it before. Um, I don't want to go off topic, so I'll just stick to the um, topic of the uh, discussion today about divine hiddenness, because this is probably, for me, I know there's atheists, that, uh, atheists for all kinds of reasons. For me, this is probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm an atheist, because... Um, I used to be religious when I was younger and I didn't get anything from God as much as I tried to speak to God, as I prayed to God, as much as I believed in God genuinely growing up. Oh, oh he cut out. Yeah, he's got internet problems because I noticed even when he was back waiting, he kept going in and out. So we'll give him a second because he didn't take too long to jump back on. What, what yeah. Carlos needs, here he is. Carlos, what you need is an Ethernet cable. That's what you need. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. I don't think I don't know if this is going to work out. <laughs> you need to invest in an Ethernet cable. Right. And then if you don't have a laptop or a computer, you can get an extension for your phone. So you can plug your phone your phone into the Ethernet. Right. And then you won't have these problems. <clears throat> Usually it's just because of Wi-Fi. Okay. Well, I'll try and make my point quickly as I can. Um so basically, talk about what kind of evidence we would want to, to know that God actually does exist. Um, I mean, according to yourselves, I mean, he has already given some sort of evidence of his existence through revelation and through miracles and things like that, which maybe you consider is sufficient to gauge that he does actually exist. Um, but um, obviously, when I ask people about that, they say that it's for the people of the time. It's not it's not something that would necessarily happen now. And I'm, my question would be, what is so different about the people of that time versus now? I mean, why would God reveal himself then and not reveal himself now? That's my major question. Are you talking about, yeah, sorry, why, why are there no miracles today? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, normally the answer that is given is that whenever something happened in the past, it, it was done for the people at that time or revelation was for the people at that time. Where, yeah. where, what, what, what's but it was never the norm. That, that, yeah. What's it different was... about their time versus yeah. our time? 
Yeah, but it was it was never the norm for human beings to see miracles. It was only came about with regards to certain messengers that came to demonstrate the proof of their messengership. Yeah. But this is slightly different to the topic about belief in a creator because a belief in a creator is not dependent upon seeing a miracle. If I'm, if for example, look, if I'm an atheist and I see a miracle, quote unquote miracle, my first, I'm going to, I'm going to look at an event through my metaphysical commitments and my metaphysical commitments will say, this isn't a miracle. This is maybe some sort of trickery. This is some sort of materialistic explanation that, um, uh, we don't have an explanation for, but it has a materialistic foundation to it because I'm going to view it from that materialistic paradigm. So a miracle in and of itself is not going to be sufficient until you've established fundamentally that there is a non-materialistic explanation to events that, that can occur and uh, potentially does occur or certainly does occur with regards to the existence of the universe. But you have to come to that conclusion first, do you not think, Carlos? Um, yeah, so you're saying that those miracles and revelations on their own wouldn't be sufficient, is what you're saying? I'm saying that for a person who's an atheist, he, he might look at those things. He might question, maybe it might be sufficient for him. I'm not going to necessarily say it's not. But I'm just going to say for a lot of people, they would look at, or not a lot of people, but for some people who are atheists, they will look at certain events through their own paradigm, through their own metaphysical commitments. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, for example, let's take the example of the Qur'an. Yeah, so the Muslims, and I think we've had this discussion before. For the Muslims, we believe that's a quite self-evident miracle. Yeah, but it requires investigation. Yeah, so it's not just something that is 1 plus 1 <clears throat> equals 2. You're going to have to study it. So, for example, you'd have to study uh, its contents. You'd have to study maybe the style of language that it's written in, in terms of, I'm not saying you have to study Arabic, but you'd have to look at, you know, its claim to being inimitable in its production. You'd have to look at maybe, look at the uh, the experts of the Arabic language, what they've said about it, maybe the counters to that. And you'd have to look at it, investigate all of these things in order to realize that the Quran is beyond human productive capacity. However, if you're going to be a person who is committed to a materialistic explanation or a materialistic paradigm for events, you're going to look at the Qur'an and if you can't explain something, you're just going to be committed to your materialistic explanation. So you need to break that first, except that there can be a non-materialistic explanation to the universe and for miracles it would be a non-naturalistic event or an event that occurs that cannot be explained by the known laws of the universe. Yeah, and I, I think any one miracle on its own would not suffice as evidence for God, but it would be good evidence for God. You know, um, it's like evolution, it's all the evidence is for evolution. You know, just finding a fossil would not give you the conclusion that evolution is true, even though the evidence around the fossil is conclusive. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't so say the evidence, that a, a, a yeah. miracle is sufficient. I'm yeah. not saying that it would be sufficient, but we don't even see any evidence of those. And those but these I, are the yeah. these are these are the supposed evidences of God actually demonstrating His existence. So, so like I said, one thing would be that we believe that God demonstrates His existence through contingent realities. 
These are signs for the existence of God. Okay. You, you agree, to... isn't it? You and I agree that there is a necessary being. We do. Yeah. You differ upon the whether the necessary being logically entails or through best explanation that it has a will. Yeah, I, I would contest that, yeah. Yeah. So you're under a burden of proof to demonstrate why you think it doesn't have a will, and I'm under a burden of proof why I think it does have a will. Um, I'm open to the um, arguments. I'm open-minded to anything, but so yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I have a burden of proof. Um, but what? Why it, don't you have I, a burden of proof? Um, well, I'm not making a claim that um, that it's. But you are making it's a, a lot, claim. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm not. Go, 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 Carlos. Oh, oh no! Oh, Hopefully he'll come back. Look what you did! You told him to leave, and then he left. <laughs> I know it's such a bully series. Unbelievable, man! <laughs> big meanie punch. We're gonna have to have a meeting after this episode, guys. <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> get kicked off. <laughs> you should jump back on. It didn't take too long. Usually, there we go. Yeah, and he's back. Sorry about that. I know. Uh, Sharif gets a bit pushy sometimes. Sorry, I'm back. <laughs> you did. You didn't rage quit, did you, Carlos? No, not yet. Not yet. Not, I'm not yet. <laughs> Go on. But yeah, so I'm not saying, saying it's I'm not. not yeah, it's not, impossible. It's not, yeah, but you are. But you are inclined to the fact that it's not has a will. It doesn't have a will. Yeah, I'm saying that there's also a possibility that it, that it could just be a natural event. Yeah. So, are you, so you're just agnostic now. Pretty much, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, so you're 50-50. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about 50-50. I mean, if, if there's two choices, then then I suppose it is a 50-50. But, yeah. Um, so did you listen to the discussion we had with uh, the previous guest? He left again, but but notice what's happening. It's it's going back into the evidence for God. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's all it does. It's like... Has to. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of my point because maybe when Carlos comes back, I, I'd like to ask him if he agrees with the the three premise argument that uh, Schellenberg's. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm probably have to give up on this. Um, sorry, I don't know what Ethernet happened. Cable. Get yourself yes. an Ethernet cable. <laughs> I've never had this problem before. Well, stand uh, next to your yeah. router. Are you on the Wi-Fi or are you on 4G? I'm on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. So Carlos, I think Jake was going to ask you a question, but I was I was also go, going to go say to you, did you did you hear did you hear the points that we were discussing with uh, with the previous caller, reincarnation? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. So we gave four arguments uh, for mm -hmm. for will. Have you got one argument think, for non-will? I think what what we have to say is that our understanding of time. And it's time for you to go. <laughs> I think we might every time he leaves, every, yeah, every time he leaves, is, it's pretty funny. Yeah, let's go to uh, Brother Zachariah for a second here. Salam. Salam. It's been so long, say, brother. Salam. How are you? It's been a long time since we've talked. So, you know, I'm just... Yeah, yeah, we missed you a lot, Zach. Yeah, likewise. Keep up the good work. May Allah bless you, increase you in knowledge, rank, humility, I mean, everything else. I mean, uh, I mean are you the brother that's always um, talking about my accent? 
Uh, I'm not Probably. talking about your accent now, but... You're not, you're not, but <laughs> there's always I... something about dialect or accent. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to derail the conversation <laughs> at all. But I have noticed that Sharif has made a concerted effort not to say, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, yeah. <laughs> and, and whatnot. Yeah, and whatnot. <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, mashallah. Good to see you all. It's uh, past midnight where I'm at, so I'm not going to, and I don't want to keep you from uh, talking with other people. So uh, I'm just going to log off and uh, inshallah, see you all later. All right. Uh, salam, salam brother. Good seeing you. Well, see you, inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. You too. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to say something about Carlos's point about there he is. So I guess you guys continue first. I'll bring this point up later. Yeah, I mean, Carlos, I just wanted to ask the point about uh, what you think of the argument. So um, <clears throat> the hiddenness argument, you know, it says premise one, if God exists, then there are no non-resistant non-believers. What do you think of that premise? Carlos? Are you resisting, See, it wasn't, my friend? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> He's resisting. He's not muted. <laughs> Let me get rid of the uh, sheriff is mean comment just so we can see. <laughs> yeah, oh. we don't we don't need the display of the obvious. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Think... Come on, Carlos. Carlos, what if I roll my R's when I see your name? Carlos. Yeah, he's not here. There was a bit of an interference, though. Like there was some noise. There's no one in the back either, so it's not. Like yeah, I, I wanted right. to. I wanted to try to get him to interact with the argument to see if he agrees with premise one. If God exists, then there are no non-resistant non-believers. Um, Carlos, nick someone else's phone, maybe. Yeah. Or... But anyway. what, what's interesting is is that um, this is seen as one of the key arguments for atheism the divine hiddenness argument and you know it's always been the case for me is that when people brought up the divine hiddenness argument i just thought what a rubbish argument <laughs> i've never liked this argument I yeah, the, the argument the argument, the argument the problem of evil has much more force i think uh you know and yeah that... the, i don't think this argument is works because it just Look what's happening. It just goes back to the whole discussion about the arguments for God. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, just, a, just a point on the miracles because it's related to the whole, you know, non-resistant, non-believers thing. So so why don't we have miracles right now? And and Sharif brought this point up earlier that people in the past, you know, they witnessed miracles and still disbelieved. Actually, most of them did. Now, the thing is, so, so what, what kind of miracles are you looking for like what level like maybe one event in your life two uh, or do you want like you know scientific uh certainty like repeatability and testability in the sense that i don't know i i, I think there's there's an atheist youtuber uh, i forgot which one it was who says that you know a good evidence for god would be that whenever he prays for something it happens like you know he prays for a million dollars right there right like just, a genie. Just, yeah genie. yeah 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 exactly and and the Grammy problem is, so this, this again goes back to the discussion about you know uh, uh you know the belief and you know uh, uh coercive belief you know because because in, in a sense if if that is the case then it 
couldn't be the case for any of our acts to be morally significant. If it, if if it's if if you're looking right at God, and you're looking right at heaven and hell to the extent that whenever you play for pray for a million dollars, it's there. So you know, then then how are you more? How is anything you do morally uh, significant? How is anything you do, uh, you know? Uh, 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 anything other than just trying to avoid hell and get have the heaven that you can see and avoid the hell that you are certain of. So, so it just again, it depends on what kind of signs you're looking for. Because we would say miracles still do exist, but it just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, I think there's a nice uh, quote uh, from one of the leaders of the Quraysh, uh, who was an obstinate um, enemy to Islam and to the Prophet because he was also uh, a well-known poet he you know understood Arabic language at a very high level and when he heard the Quran you know he basically testified that it's beyond human productive capacity certainly beyond the pro uh, productive capacity of the Prophet Muhammad and he said uh, after hearing some verses of the Quran he said by God there is not a man amongst you who is better versed in poetry than me, or has more knowledge of prose, uh, or ancient, uh, or something called an ancient Arabic poem with rigid, rigid uh, tripartite structure than me. Yet in the Quran there is sweetness and beauty, and in it there is grace and elegance. And at its highest, it is fresh and leafy, and at its lowest, it is copious and abundant. Verily, it is the highest, and nothing is higher than it. So what's really interesting about this uh, particular quote is that he remained a non-Muslim. So he recognized the, the inimitable nature of the Qur'an and what we believe as Muslims as a miracle and mu'jizah, which we can test today. But he, he didn't want to submit, and that's the key issue. And I think this goes back to what Jake was saying about it's not just about acknowledging God exists or acknowledging a, miracle, a particular miracle. It's about willing to submit to the will of God. I think we got a, another caller though. Why so, Why religious? so religious? Hello, how y'all doing? I do. What, what do you go by sometimes? His name is Ray. Is it Ray? It's not Ray. That's what Hamza makes me go under. He doesn't like oh, my right, name okay. going. Wow, so even Ray. the baby didn't like us calling you Ray. <laughs> okay, funny. Um, all right, so uh, I really don't, I really don't use as an atheist uh, this argument of uh, hiddenness. Um, Y'all like it? You don't like it? I think it's kind of irrelevant. Wait, hold on a second, sir. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Okay, go. Well, ahead. no, I mean, it's irrelevant to think of a god as either being able to be seen or hidden. Now, I do think that. Kind of strange that a god would pick and choose uh, who they want to be seen by or speak to, but that in the theory of like of God, I guess it makes sense that they could be uh, peculiar in who they want to speak to. So, Ray, why but, do you um, think that? Why do you think some atheists are uh, use this argument, and why are they so disturbed by this whole thing? Why do you think that is? Uh, I'd say atheists use the argument because they probably they think that it's relevant. It's relevant to themselves. Like that's the thing is, it's not an argument that 
I think is relevant to all people. That's the reason I say it's irrelevant because it's an argument that people who believe don't don't need to see proof and even people who disbelieve don't have to not see God to disbelieve in it if that makes sense to you. Okay. All right. So Do I you mean get what I mean by I say that? Yeah, I don't think that first of okay. all I don't think God is a, a physical object so I don't think he can be seen in this life in that way. And um, <clears throat> well, that likewise, goes against the teachings of actual, uh, you know, uh, traditional Sunni Islam, or at least as far as the Sahaba went, because, you know, uh, the original beliefs is not not that you can imagine like God looks like a human because it's outside of uh, human imagination, even of what God looks like. But God does have literal body parts that Muslims are told to believe in. No, not only that, you, not only that, you have the no, you have the, hadith, you have the hadith where Muhammad sees Allah's veil. Ray, so Allah Ray, has a veil Ray, you gotta stop here, buddy. You're, you're, you're misrepresenting. Second of all, if you're gonna make claims, just provide evidence. So give us, you know, evidence. Abdul, you gotta pull your mic down, Mike. I'm saying, first of all, this is off topic. Second of all, if 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 you're gonna make claims, please provide evidence. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's off topic, and you're not providing evidence. We so, don't I believe mean, God has body yeah. parts, right? Sorry, yeah. even even. So people when who, God says He has a shin, you think it's not that, a body part? It's yeah, yeah. Part. So 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 yeah. So, so what's what's the verse? What's the verse? No shin. Yeah, stick but, to the shin. What's the verse? What's the verse? Oh my gosh, dude! This is you. You know the yeah, verse well, is there. So why yeah, are you well, asking? Kushifa, Ray, it's Kushifa not a body part. I know in Arabic, and there are interpretations. There are. You're gonna have to ask us which position we take, because you know, uh, in the Arabic language, uh, that expression is used when there is something like in a situation where, uh, you know, it's. Uh, something very serious is happening something concerning like in battle and stuff like that and and so well, it's gonna verse, you're, you're not going to be able just to refer to one verse take a specific literal interpretation of it which 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 some muslims do hold this is i'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not denying that, that abdu they don't say it's a body yeah part. exactly even them they don't say it's a body part they don't say it's physical we no don't say nobody muslim says says god is physical <laughs> no muslim says god has body parts but i'm saying even if they do for you to come here and say that islam says this as if you you know we're going to have to be I bound the by the interpretation you're focusing the Sahaba on did not believe in body Provide parts. evidence Provide evidence. They did not believe in literal physical body parts. Okay. No Sahabi believed that God had body parts. So okay. maybe next maybe time you can come. I mean, we do this every two weeks. Next time, just do a bit of homework. Come with a bit of references so you can, you know, whatever you say, you can back up with evidence because we just don't accept it. You know, uh, so, so yeah. So maybe next time provide references. And also we're off topic. So I think, um, do you want do you have anything to say on the, the, he already the, the did. He doesn't. He doesn't use like the argument. He doesn't think it's a good argument. He already commented okay. on the argument. Perfect. Why is he? Okay, why, so why is why so religious? Why is he an atheist? Why are you an atheist? Ray. Well, I mean, because right. okay. Because you're br you're breaking up, Ray. You're breaking so, uh, up, buddy. I, I, You're breaking I, up. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. You gotta start yeah. over. 
why yeah, are you, you an gotta, atheist? So, yeah, you got to start I, over, buddy. We couldn't hear I you. Always, I always feel like when Muslims ask me this question, it's kind of redundant in the sense that in your belief system, Allah has already covered why I don't believe. I'm asking so you. So asking me is. Yeah. So why, you why asking are you? Me, why you are asking you? me is either Allah's words are sufficient for you or you need me to explain. I want you to explain. So <laughs> I want you to Come tell on, me Ray, why, why you don't Ray, believe. Ray, why do you got to be like this, buddy? We're just asking you a question, man. You, you're thinking I mean, you're, that, I, hey, you're thinking you're on Hamza's den. You, no, yeah, you but that's not an your answer because you don't believe in the Quran. So give no, us your no, answer. No, I'm, I'm giving you an answer of why I think it's a redundant question, but I will answer your question. Irrelevant. Is it so, an irrelevant question? I, I, I don't, I don't. Is it an irrelevant question? It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> this, right? I don't oh, yeah. have to disprove God exists. Okay. I just have to disprove your God exists by the words that you attribute to your God. So do you you're still not answering the question, atheist. why are you so, an atheist? Why don't you believe in any God? There is, so, for as far as theism, every uh, every words that I have read that are attributed to a deity have some form of inaccuracy that does not uh, actually relate to universal. Yeah, but that would improve that there's not a God. And Let's then, say all the scriptures are wrong. There could still be a God. Now, let me finish. So that's what I'm saying. I'm breaking it down from theism to deist. Now, after that would be the concept of like, you could have like a deist slash pantheist belief. But to me, even a deist belief doesn't make I don't want to say that it doesn't make sense. It's just that, for one, there's no evidence to support that there has to be a creator uh, of of the universe, let's say. That there is now, there is the belief system that you there has to be a creator, but belief systems are not necessarily truth. So, right. until there why, is... Why do you believe? <laughs> what, what would you consider evidence? Um, honestly, I wouldn't know until it's presented to me, probably. Well, that's part yeah. of the problem. <laughs> but surely, well, no, so no, are, are you, are you, are you an agnostic? Are you an agnostic, Ray? Let me, let me, let me just answer what you said part of the problem is. Part of the, well, if you take that stance, that's like saying part of the problem with lightning always being attributed to Zeus for so long is because they did not know what lightning was and how it actually uh, came into formation. What uh, scientifically? But then no. once, but but once we learned, once we learned about it, we learned um, how it occurs. It takes away the uh, the what I need as sufficient evidence because it actually proves itself. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so Ray, if, if, so if there were no explanation, if there were like no explanation for lightning, you would then attribute it to God? No, uh, not me personally. No, I would just say that I don't But you know, would think it's justified? Uh, it's explanation. So you think it's justified? I would know that it's justified because it happens. No, okay, is it so justified you provide to believe in God based yeah. upon no explanation for lightning? That's what Abdul's asking. What'd you say? If 
If you you're, you're mentioned that people used to believe that lightning is caused by God, but right now we have a scientific explanation. I'm asking you a hypothetical. If there were no scientific explanation for it, right, like at all, and it just happens, do you think it would be justified to believe in God? No, I wouldn't say that. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that you could. So what's the point of bringing the it up then? I mean, so so what's so what's the point? No, that was so you... in that was in response to them. Yeah, no, but that, like, no, the point is this: if listen, right? If you don't have a standard by which you judge or some type of criteria, then of course you're not going to know or even be able to evaluate the claims. You'd have to be agnostic. You you can't be atheist if you don't know what the evidence is that you're looking atheist, for. Atheist, atheist is just a lack of belief. Atheism is not the defined. No, uh, it's not right. That not in philosophy. Not. It's not. Look up Sorry, the Ray. Look up the definition. Oh, uh, here we go, Ray Ray. So no, here we go. No, if y'all if y'all are going to the bring, if y'all are going to tell me to bring evidences of verses, why can't I tell you to bring evidences of your definitions? No, but listen. Okay, so well, let's work with your definition. So you just lack a belief in God, right? Okay, so I lack a belief in, let's say, aliens, right? So if you ask me what evidence I would require to believe in aliens, I'll tell you because I have a coherent epistemology. I'll tell you how I come to know things. So how do you, Ray, come to know things? What's what's your epistemology? I mean, if you don't even know no, how you come to know things, and you're like, I, I don't a, know. I mean, I have a. I have, like I said, I have a lack of belief in theism due to the readings of the books and the texts. And then when it goes down to deism, I have a lack of belief in deism because there's uh, no, no reason in my mind that as far as I can see everything in the universe that we've tried to explain within the past 400 years, we've come really close and expounded upon it. As okay, so stop right there. The stop right there. So you're saying, okay, as stop opposed right there. to the concept... Okay, sorry, sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to focus on that point. So you're saying that everything we've come across, we found an explanation, okay? And you're I providing that everything. as a... Re no, no, no. Okay, whatever. I, I mean, shall I give, shall most I bring things, most things you find... Yeah, just one second. Most things we found an explanation. What I'm, what I, so that's why I asked you earlier. Does that mean that if we didn't find explanations for most things, you would find reason to believe in God? No. Because I still wouldn't so, have a reason to to attribute them to God personally. So what? Yeah. Then, then it's irrelevant. Then you bringing this up about us finding explanations yeah, but Abdul, as gotta, an explanation. We gotta read yeah. this. We gotta read this here to Mister yeah. Ray. Ray, so, you asked for proof. Okay, we're on Stanford Encyclopedia en entry of philosophy on the uh, term atheism and agnosticism. It says right here, definition of atheism. Atheism is typically defined in terms of theism. Theism, in turn, is best understood as a proposition, something that is either true or false. It is often defined as the belief that God exists, but here belief means something believed. It refers to the propositional content of belief, not to the attitude or psychological state of believing. This is why it makes sense to say that theism is true or false and to argue for or against theism. If, however, Atheism is defined in terms of theism, and theism is the proposition that God exists, and not the psychological condition of believing that there is a God, then it follows that atheism is not the absence of the psychological condition of believing that God exists. The A in atheism 
must be understood as negation instead of absence, as not instead of without. Therefore, in philosophy at least, atheism should be construed as the proposition that God does not exist, or more broadly, the proposition that there are no gods. So will you retract your statement, Ray? Where's your evidence? So that is, so once again, you're talking about a position that I'm not taking. I'm not taking a philosophical position. No, Ray, you made no, a claim. No, no, you Ray, said. You, you made said. a claim. You made Wait. a claim that this is what no, atheism no, no. is. And then you asked us to give you proof that atheism is something no, else. Why and don't we just you, did. Why don't you, no, why don't you just do a definition of atheism by like. Ray, Mary we don't Webster do, we don't or, do this. Ray, no, we no, don't do this like small yellow. You, but I am not, Ray. I'm not holding a philosophical position on this. Do you understand? Okay. Not, well, you, you are, because this is a philosophical definition, discussion, Ray. No, no, I'm using it as. Ray, is this evidence. a philosophical discussion? Or is this like not Dr. Seuss? I'm presenting it. I'm not is this a philosophical discussion, Ray? What is it I'm, if it's not a philosophical I, discussion? I am what is it talking evidential? I'm, talk, Ray, I'm talking about scientific concepts. Come on, Ray. Ray, this is, this is not Humpty Dumptyism here. Come like on, a, philosophical, about, a, philosophical, a philosophical position would be like your contingency argument. That's a philosophical position that does not necessarily. Right. Atheism is a philosophical position. Okay, dude. If you say so. It is. We just we just read it out to you on the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which yes, is the standard. I, it is Come on, Ray. I didn't pull philosophical debates. It's a and this is a this is a philosophical discussion. Come on, Ray. So, but, so when I'm talking about evidences, right? Don't okay, go down, down, brother. Just admit you can that get you into the philosophy of evidences. What's your point? We so 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 philosophy so hold on, covers hold on. a very Ray, broad. Ray. Yeah, yeah, but Ray, Ray, Ray. Ray, I'm just simply saying, buddy, don't double down. Just admit that you could have been wrong about this, and then we can move on. Dude, I'm not going to deny that philosophically atheism does hold a, um, a God does not exist affirmative as opposed okay. to in the definition that people use daily as opposed to philosophical if you just look it up, Merriam-Webster or Cambridge or wherever you want to, it is yeah. lack of belief of God. Yeah, and, and if you am, type in person again, on Google, you'll get again, it. <laughs> and once again, I never said that God couldn't exist. I said that I have a lack of belief. Now, the difference along with like agnosticism is saying I do not know. Now, that's the reason there's the debates about is atheism the same as agnosticism because a lack of belief <laughs> Okay, it uh, could be attributed to not knowing. Right, so, you're not an atheist. Okay, you're not an atheist. You're, you're, you're an agnostic well, in a philosophical sense. You're an agnostic. Yeah, and you've yes, come onto okay, a philosophy there. show. I, okay, yes. You've come I, I, onto a philosophy so, show to say that you're not having a philosophical discussion with people. I, <laughs> no, no. The whole the point of the show is to have a philosophical discussion. But, Do you want to have a discussion but, oh on gosh, philosophy? And if not, what I, no what, is everything, what is everything I've said Answer the question. Been about evidences? Answer the question. Yeah, we can you have a philosophical discussion? questions if you want. What came on, All the right. first thing that I spoke about was how I do not use the, the argument of uh, hiddenness. So I went there and was willing to talk about that. It wasn't me okay. that kept changing the, the topics. Okay, no, bro. because we, 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 we concluded that topic. 
and then I asked you the question, why are you an atheist? Right. Correct. Yeah. And then we and I said and you gave a reason. And my, my and, reasons my reasons go. was about evidence and how if you start at theism so, and yeah. then I, do, I I spoke about why I don't believe in theism. And then deism from, from reading free uh from reading text. And then um I spoke about deism and I spoke about not really uh attributing things to uh, a god that because they do tend to have answers that we find out so now, we do we, we have so hold on hold on so, so you're saying the reason why you're not an atheist is because we have materialistic explanation wait the reason i'm not an atheist sorry the reason why you don't believe in god is because we have materialistic explanation is that what you're saying um that's one of the things but the other thing is i just don't believe it to be true Okay, so why don't you believe it to be true? Let's look at that second reason. <clears throat> because I don't think it's necessary. Like, the arguments tend to be that God is a necessary being. If that's your position, I think that you'd have a hard time even presenting that to me in a way that I see it as uh, as true slash necessary. So, so why do... See, I think, Ray, this is my personal opinion from your discussion that we've just had here, is you said, firstly, that you lack belief. Secondly, that you don't know what the evidence is to define uh, whether God exists. And then you're saying you don't think it's necessary for God to exist. I Do said I, I, wouldn't know, I wouldn't know the evidence of what God exists until it was presented to me. Because as of right now, my position is uh, everything that that happens in the universe uh, can be explained or possibly explained. I don't think anything is explained by science. Okay. Nothing is That's explained. That's your position. I can prove it. Okay. What is why does water boil? What, why does water what, boil? What what is no, no, listen. So so what do you mean by nothing is explained by science? Let's start there first. Because I'm going to give you an example now. So I'll give you an example, yeah? Why no, does not water an boil? Give me what you mean. I mean that fundamentally science is not in the explanation of why things exist. They only really explain how things operate. And to explain how things operate, is sufficient for a scientist to operate within the universe. So it doesn't actually explain, for example, why gravity exists, why bodies within space-time causes deformation, which causes a gravitational force that's exerted upon other bodies. There's no explanation so as to why that occurs. That we have an explanation of how it occurs and the relationship that bodies have with other bodies within the universe. So, who's making the argument that science explains why? You did. <laughs> How? Because you said science has explained things within the universe and I, or events. And I said, no, it doesn't. Because that's not the so role science, of science. No, science, you, only tells said... me, science only explains to me how things operate. Yeah. Or yeah, how things operate. They don't explain to me why they fundamentally operate in that way. 
Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't actually go to my my position. So, for example, if I ask you the question, why why is there lightning? Why is there lightning? You're going to talk about electrical fields, aren't you? And then if I ask you the question, why do you have electrical fields? You might talk about oh, forces, electromagnetic forces. And then I'm going to ask the question, why is there electromagnetic forces? And then you're going to say, well, they're fundamental forces. It's a brute contingency. Well, no, it would be electrical forces because of uh, like the, the core of the Earth. <laughs> yeah, but I can keep asking the question why. Yeah, but that does because ultimately but that you're going to get to a question about fundamental forces of the universe, the four fundamental forces of the universe. One's electromagnetism. That doesn't, that doesn't actually address anything that I talked about. That's it like does. a red herring. It does. No, it you're does. trying. No, what you're trying to do is say that okay, science only talks about the action in a way, right? It only tells you how something occurs. It doesn't tell you why. Is that your position? Yeah. So, so what? What then? So look at your question. Why is there lightning? If you're saying that science doesn't explain the why, you are saying that science doesn't explain the why, it only explains the how, then it's not providing an explanation, is it? No, it is. You realize there's different forms of explanation, right? Like I do you, understand there's different you, forms of explanation. So, so then you but can't we're asking the why the explanation that it doesn't. So why the why you, explanation? The why explanation of why lightning strikes? Does science explain it? I or does don't it know differ? enough about. I don't. I don't know enough about. Uh, about meteorology, I guess. I'd Do you believe in brute contingent facts? Do you believe in brute contingent facts? So explain that. So brute <laughs> contingent facts are things where we are irreducible to any other explanation beyond that explanation. That there are things within the universe that you cannot explain anything. You cannot explain further. That we just have to accept. I don't know. There's no way to actually prove that, though, until the end of time. No. <laughs> so, no, at the can't. moment, the way so, science because, works. So you, no, you, at the you moment, are appealing we to don't science. know everything. You, yeah, exactly. That's fine. So, so, so you were appealing to science. In the future. You were appealing we to science. Know. You were appealing to science, and you were saying science in the last 400 years has given all these explanations of why. And I'm saying, actually, science at this moment in time has to come to brute contingent facts. And that assumes them to be true, has no further explanation for them because maybe they've reached epistemic limits of science. Maybe they might not have reached the epistemic limits of science, but at the moment they have, they have to assume these things. And then from these assumptions, they then try to provide explanations of how other things operate based upon these brute contingent facts but of you, the universe. Your claim, your claim only works if, like, let's say tomorrow, everything ends, and then there's no further no. learning. No, Ray, no, no. I'm using Ray. your argument. You said you, the last 400 years, we have science explaining things. I'm saying science doesn't explain why things. It reduces to brute contingent facts. At this moment in time. 
So forget about the last 400 years. All those 400 years up to now, we still have these brute contingent facts. We have to assume, like laws of thermodynamics, how gravity or why gravity operates the way it does. Yeah, We have to assume these things. That's what science has reduced us to, to these brute contingent facts at this moment in time. Maybe they'll extend it in the future and get further so explanations. But then, then that's I don't a, feel that's like the argument a, is relevant a faith to me. Claim. That's a faith claim no, now. No, no, it, that argument isn't relative to me because what I'm speaking about is the possibility of it, right? Now, it's not really faith-based like you're saying. Faith is the belief without uh, evidence. Faith no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's no. not, Ray. So no, now no. should we have to show you that definition too, Ray? Come on, brother. <laughs> Come on, why so okay, then serious? Tell me, then, tell, then tell me what the, the definition is so I can go off of your definition. Yeah, we don't believe that faith, we just take it without evidence. That's not our position at all. In fact, the Quran says, the fact the Quran says that you shouldn't but believe that doesn't anything. mean anything. Let me, Ray, I'm trying to explain something to you. The Quran says that you shouldn't believe anything without knowledge. You need evidence. That still doesn't, you need, you need still, evidence. You that need still evidence. Does, so Iman that is a still trust. A man, Iman that, is a trust. So yeah. it still does It's a trust matter, based right? on. It's a trust based on evidence. To not lack of jazz yeah. Now that's your Decisive. personal belief Come. system, because no. you're, you're holy. No, no, no. You're holy. Ray, you're like talking to four Muslims. What are we doing here? We're not. Who are you talking to? Okay, Ray. Ray, I think. Look, you're making a lot of statements. You seem to be quite confident in your statements. But I think the problem is, is that I think you, you are too confident to what you actually know. You made mistakes about what the Quran says about body parts. No, the billah. You made comments about the Sahaba. He will reveal his shin. And, and Abdul, Abdul <laughs> already explained. And Ray, we've had the upper hand in this discussion. Yeah, Ray, we already yeah, explained. that is Ray, a, Ray, you didn't even get the joke. You went over your head. <laughs> so that we all, I've already explained the. It went over my head a bit there, Jake, as well. Actually, well, <laughs> be... you know, I've got dry humor, folks. What can I say? Yeah. I thought the Brits yeah. had dry humor too. Well, come true. On. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So Ray, <laughs> Abdul's already explained that point to you. Yeah, and then you didn't have a reference for it. You did, then you claimed about Sahaba. You didn't have a reference for that. Then you claimed that science answers all, all these questions. Oh. And I said, and no, went, it doesn't. And he moaned about us not giving... Wait, yeah. Yeah. Then, you, then you claimed... And we showed atheism. atheism. We showed the definition of atheism. And you're wrong about I, that. All I'm saying, Ray, is this. I think you're too confident for the knowledge that you've actually got. I think a bit of so, humbleness I, I think, about your position. I think it's, I think it's ironic that it is. you are calling me calling me saying that uh i'm too confident when you blaze you pretty much base your whole belief system off of faith of a miracle you just like keep the making Quran. these like, like, keep making these because, claims you're just making these before decisions. i even came on here before i even came on here you used an example about how the Quran is a miracle because a man in seventh century Arabia who was a poet said that he knows more about Arabic and the poetry and this and that. And there's no way that it could have came from anything but God. That right, was so does one, it follow from that? One, does it follow from when Sharif made that statement that that's the only thing that we base our belief system on? Well, I does mean, it? No, no, it doesn't. Don't talk nonsense, it's, mate. It's Don't talk nonsense. One, You're talking rubbish. It's definitely... 
it's definitely one of the biggest claims that Muslims use as their belief is that yeah. the Quran is a miracle. Yeah. Who are you talking is to? That a, are you talking to the lie? Muslims? Are you talking? <laughs> are you talking to the Muslims here, or are you talking to Abdul, Jake, Yusuf, and Sharif? Well, it's also it's also to? the fact that so you would, you like, wouldn't have you also you annoying. wouldn't have you wouldn't have your belief without the Quran. You're right. Yeah, we wouldn't have the belief. Yeah. We wouldn't so, have so, the belief in the prophethood of the messengership without the Quran. But you can still have belief in the in, in the God. Creator without the Quran. The but problem is have, the problem that you, you have raised. The problem that you have raised is is you're talking about things like science answers all questions. Science answers the questions about why lightning occurs. And when I ask you the question, well, what is the scientific answer? You're like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't not studied that. No, I yeah. said I didn't want to. I didn't want to speak on it because I, I'm not uh, that knowledgeable. Yeah, on the subject. exactly. You're not knowledgeable so, no, on the subject. No, and then when I explain to you, <laughs> and then when I explain to you that things reduce back to a brute contingent reality or facts. This is what science has to premise upon these brute contingent facts. You were like, yeah, but in the future we might be able to prove, you know, something. You know, we might have to get away from these brute contingent facts. Uh, but I'm saying your claim was because science has answered X, Y, Z questions, therefore it will answer all questions. I'm saying it hasn't even answered any fundamental question. You're, you're miss. I never said that it will. I said there's. I said that there's reason to think that it will. Well, there's a reason the, to say that it is possible that it will. I never said that is absolute. Yeah. So, what re what as a so final question? You, what reason? What reason do you think it will answer? Because just within the short time that we have actually applied scientific method and the causes of human uh, humans, we have actually advanced in our knowledge of the universe, as opposed to. As opposed to the we, days, were you involved of, in that? <laughs> Why so religious? We so were go, the go, forefront go. of all of that. Let Ray, let Ray finish. Sorry, so, so, go, so Ray, finish. as opposed, as opposed to the days of prophets getting scented messages from yeah. the God yeah. that didn't really improve life standards at all. Right, okay. Like you can make arguments that for the people that were not ever part of the religions that these scriptures were sent from their lifestyles were dramatic uh drastically altered in the negative by mm -hmm. the people who follow that religion ray thank you very much i think obviously we fundamentally disagree i don't think you're really that interested in engaging in the arguments and i don't i think you're changing your position to be honest i don't think you're sincere in the discussion but appreciate How you coming changing on my position because you what originally do you think my argued position is Ray, there's no point discussing any further. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on, though. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just thinking we're just going to go around in circles on this. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I think the problem is some people are too confident in their positions. And, you know, and he's going, oh, it's ironic. You Muslims, you believe in, you know, you have a quote unquote faith. Yeah. And yet he's appealing to faith in science will answer all questions. When he, when I said, and I made a very bold claim, yeah, and I say this to some atheists sometimes just to make them think that science hasn't answered any why questions, yet why is there lightning? Science doesn't answer that question. It just answers how the universe operates. And we get more details about how the universe operates. And we can use that 
details to operate and manipulate things or materials within the universe based upon how the laws operate, but it doesn't explain why they operate in the way that they do. And that's really fundamental. And there's a really interesting um, uh, statement that Neil Tyson deGrasse, or is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? I always get it. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was asked a question on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast where he was asked about what is gravity? Yeah, what is it? You know, Joe's like that type of person, like, what is it? Yeah, that simple man on the street. And Neil deGrasse Tyson says, well, in science, it's not explaining why something occurs. It's simply explaining how it occurs. And if we've explained how, then that's sufficient for us, really. So we don't really know why or what it really is. We're just happy to know how it works, how it operates. And that's, you know, that's that's the epistemic limits that we have. So there are no real questions of why fundamentally that's being answered. It's deferring. At best, it defers the why question or why explanation to something else until you get to a brute contingent fact. A lot of atheists don't like to uh, acknowledge that point because it sort of explodes their worldview. Anybody else yourself? Yes. Hello, how are you doing tonight? Oh, how are you doing, Eric? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, good to see you. I was enjoying your broadcast. I was enjoying uh, listening to uh, talk to the atheists there. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Eric uh, is somebody that we've spoken to a couple of times on the Facebook calls, although we've not spoken for a while. I don't know, what was your thoughts about the uh, the topic uh, at hand, which was divine hiddenness? You're, you're, you're a theist, aren't you, Eric? I am a theist. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's... I, I actually don't think the atheist has a good argument against theism at all. Um, I think, as a matter of fact, atheism is rather foolish position to hold. I can understand if somebody has a position of an agnostic. To me, that makes a lot more sense than somebody choosing the position of an atheist. And in my opinion, most atheists don't even know what atheism is. They, they accept the, uh, the title of atheist without realizing that they're actually, their position is probably agnostic. And uh, I think a lot of them choose the position of atheism, though, um, out of, I don't know what it could be, maybe arrogance, maybe... Uh, Maybe maybe rebellion, maybe anger against God. I think there are very few real atheists. Although I do know a few, I do know a few that are very sincere in their uh, atheism. So I don't find fault with them. They're able to discuss things rationally and civilly. But uh, I, I do think it's rather funny that they choose to define themselves as somebody that simply lacks belief. A ping pong ball lacks belief, you know. So that's a rather foolish position, I think. Um, but I, I, I was enjoying your show. I would like to add, though, if you, if you guys don't mind, I have to admit, when it comes to philosophy, I'm a novice, and you guys would leave me in the dirt. You often do. That's why I love listening to Abdul and you guys sitting around talking in philosophy, because I learn. But when it comes to science and theology, though, I, I, I really think that we have reason to believe that there's a God. And we have scientific reason to believe that there's a God. For instance, there's the science of biogenesis, that, and that's a completely observable science. And 
a billion times a day. It doesn't matter if it's bacteria. It doesn't matter if it's insects or animals. We see that life only comes from life. That's the only way it ever comes about. We never see um, life just randomly forming and popping to uh, life. It just doesn't happen. It's a rather absurd idea. And it doesn't matter how they try to bring it about in, in the laboratory. It just never comes about. What if they say, Eric, uh, that one day scientists will create life in a lab? Would that now disprove well, your position? No, no. I, I guess I guess it possibly could happen. But uh, my position is that it's simply we never observe it happening in nature or in the lab. And mm. so it's far more likely there's a God. And then when they say God isn't even... Uh, God is a supernatural object that can't, we can't even detect God with uh, scientific means. So why even ask the God question in science? But I think dark matter and dark energy prove that wrong. Dark matter and dark energy you could almost consider a supernatural object because it's uh, invisible. Uh, it's, it's not a tangible object that you can touch and feel, and yet it's supposed to be omnipresent. It holds all of creation together. It's expanding the universe. And, you know, these are things that are, uh, these are attributes that God is supposed to have. Yeah. So, you know, science is acknowledging a force that we would call God if, I mean, if under any other circumstance. See, what's so, interesting, Eric, is, you know, the previous caller, and I think he was, uh, he wasn't really listening. I don't think he was, he was going to get anywhere. But he was trying to say something like religion doesn't, you know, it has no positive impact. But one thing that he doesn't realize is what religion and what theism gives you, it gives you a grounding for science. So we understand that science is where you have predictable patterns, that future events will follow past experience. Now, from a materialistic, purely materialistic point of view, you can't say that there are patterns within the universe, but from a theistic point of view, uh, and certainly like Christianity and also Islam pushes this point, which is that God created the universe and the world with a particular system, with a particular order. So for, for Christian scientists or Muslim scientists, it was always a case of we would investigate what that order is, what that pattern is. And so we're using the scientific method which is predicated on this idea that the universe is predictable and follows patterns because we have a theological justification for it. Yeah. So uh, this is why he doesn't realize that, uh, you know, how religion, how Islam or, you know, like your particular faith, Christianity, how it forms a, a particular foundation by which we then operate. Yeah? So they want to take all the benefits, quote unquote, of theism, but then try to discard it at the end. That's very true, too. And I've also observed with atheists, they reverse the roles. And the roles that they assign to theists are the roles that, that they themselves embrace. And the roles that they claim to embrace are the roles that we actually fulfill. Uh, for instance, they claim that our faith is blind. Uh, we, we have faith in things that there's absolutely no evidence for. And that's just a completely absurd claim. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys are like me. You have faith in what you've seen. Hmm. Uh, your faith in God would be the same faith 
that I have, I believe that the yeah. same thing when you when you're walking to a light switch to flip that light switch on, you're walking to that switch in faith. You're about to flip that on. You never stop and question whether or not that light is going to turn on. You just walk up there and flip it. You know it's going to turn on. You have and a trust. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not based on a lack of evidence, though. It's that's like, exactly there, you do right. have reasons for that approach towards a light switch with faith. That's right. It's based on what we've seen. It's not so, going to blow up or electrocute you or hurt, harm you or in any way, or that it'll just turn on at all. Exactly. On the other hand, you take the atheist faith in abiogenesis, brother. That's a that's that's a blind faith. Absolutely. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. hundred percent, Eric. Because I've used that argument as well with atheists. Because atheists, they say, oh well, you know, because they like the reason why they like to have this agnostic, but call themselves atheists, is because they're trying to say we have no metaphysical commitments, we have no beliefs. You know, we're just neutral. Yeah, we're just trying to look for evidence. And so I always bring up the abiogenesis point. Yeah, and I always say, look, uh, abiogenesis. Do you believe it's true or not? Uh, and they think about it, and then I explain life from non-life, or do you think that it, it's always the case that life, as a result, either directly or indirectly, was caused by something that's living? Then they'd have to say, well, yeah, it has to be abiogenesis. Okay, what evidence have you got? Zero. Okay, so you're basing it upon what? Your metaphysical commitment of materialism, that ultimately everything is explained by physical, non-conscious, non-living matter, yeah? And as soon as you explain to that, I think some of them, they have a light bulb moment and think, oh yeah, that's true, I actually do make these, uh, these leaps of faith when it comes to, uh, you know, certain beliefs about materialism. Um, and so you, you see this a lot, and I think the problem with a lot of people is, and we can also fall into this, is that we don't realize what our hidden assumptions are, what our presuppositions or metaphysical commitments that we hold and that we don't really question and it's about getting to really understand that and then be critical of our own metaphysical assumptions and obviously get atheists to do that in order to realize where their beliefs are absolutely absolutely yeah i i think the atheist position is just really one of absurdity all the way around uh, the, the claims that you actually hear atheists make uh, are absurd. Like, atheism isn't a belief system. I hear that all the time. I say, absolutely, atheism is not a belief system in itself. But yet it corners you into a belief system that you have to embrace. You're forced to embrace it. You have no other choice. You can't believe in creation, so you have to believe in abiogenesis. You can't believe that God created after it, uh, animals after their own kind. So you have to believe in evolution, even if you never see one thing evolving into another kind of animal uh, outside of their family, for instance. Uh, if you choose family and genus and species and that sort of thing, uh, you just never see that. and You can't prove it in the fossil record. They say, well, we can prove common ancestors in the fossil record. Well, no, you can't. You can hypothesize it. You can put it all on a phylogenetic tree, but that's all complete hypothesis. And now, if you want to falsify that, you have to have the opportunity to prove it false, potentially prove it false. And you can't do that without the DNA. You cannot test these families. And then uh, they say, well, morphology. And I say, well, 
morphology is nothing, dude. Uh, uh, the dire wolf is a perfect example of why you cannot uh, use morphology to assign an ancestry. We it was taught for decades that the dire wolf was an ancestor to the wolf families, but now we know we have the DNA from the dire wolf. Dire wolf. We've sequenced it, and they they've proven that it's a completely different line from our wolves. So, you know, it's not the ancestor of the wolves. So, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is completely hypothetical and there's just no way they can falsify any of that. So they are cornered into a belief system uh, that they have to hold to. Cool. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you coming on and your support uh, for Thank the channel. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, really appreciate you coming on. We, we'll go to another guest, uh, but hopefully we'll speak to you again and hopefully you'll tune in again and subscribe to our channel. Thank I'm starting now. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, excellent. Thanks. All right, take care. Uh, what is that? Oh. <laughs> can hear you. Really interest. Oh, I did an up, though. <laughs> it's yeah, no so, longer a Yusuf. It's an Abdul now, isn't it? It was never a Yusuf. <laughs> was it no, no. Somebody, Jake, he did it. He did it quite a lot when he first got his mic. He was always on mute. That was the first oh. time. Come on, give me a break. That was a good couple of times. Um, one. somebody in the chat, Mr. John Lee. Uh, let me. I, he had an important comment here that I wanted to put because I think some people are going to say this as well. I'm a little disappointed that Vine Hiddenness hasn't been discussed at all. That's why yeah, I came in. Well, I responded. I, I posted a long message. Uh, posted Spend an it, hour. Uh, yeah. I said, look, John Lee, we spoke about it for the first hour. We explained what the argument is and why we think it doesn't work. We then invited atheists on to defend the argument. Unfortunately, none of them really agreed with the divine hiddenness argument and went into proof for God. This is ultimately where it will always go. Hence why divine hiddenness isn't a good independent argument against God. Yeah. So I mean, it's not what do you want us to do? Now we can jump on. If you want no, to he's, not a, he's not an atheist. He's a Christian. He's a Christian. <laughs> oh, he's a Christian. He's just so. saying that nobody came on to really debate um, divine hiddenness. I mean, what do you want us to do? Yeah, there's <laughs> no one even in the back now. Yeah, it's not. It's I'm always not, good not, just for the uh, for the audience for the. First I think it's evidence of, of the fact. Yeah, I think it's evidence of the fact that it's not a good independent argument against God by the fact that even the atheists that came on didn't generally support it, and it always is going to go back into proof for God anyway. So it's yeah. So, but like I, I was just going to say, just go on, sorry, yourself. Oh. I was just going to say, before we forget, um, Carlos sent me his question up. I can't see the whole thing. Um, let me get rid of that thing at the bottom. Uh, so the first thing he mentioned uh, was he was asking uh, about the difference between our current times versus the people of the time who benefited from miracles and revelation. Uh, so just in answer to that as well, I think one of the reasons is because usually these miracles, like Sheriff mentioned, are associated with prophets. And we know um, from the Islamic perspective, for example, that Muhammad Sallallahu is the final prophet and the final messenger. And if he is the final prophet, final messenger, then it would make sense as well from that perspective that there wouldn't be any miracles as well. 
following on from him until those um, where the, the Antichrist or the Dajjal and those that have been prophesied um, have been mentioned. And at that point, obviously, these miracles or these things that you see um, would be an evidence of the the times that you're in, i.e. the end times, that the Dajjal is there. Uh, and so the miracles here would then obviously operate in a very particular way. And we're waiting for that moment now. Um, and so within the Islamic paradigm, at least, um, th that's going to be a clue of a particular moment in time and who we're dealing with and that this person is a false prophet. Um, that is the Antichrist of the John or a false messiah. Um, so I, I don't know if anyone wants to add to that or respond to that section in particular I, I don't know if you touched upon what i said earlier because i just want to quickly reiterate that if you're looking for the kind of miracle that is going to be something repeatable and testable and you know that every like every time you play pray for a million dollars it just pops up in your living room that that was never the concept of miracles so that that's never going to be repeated because it never happened but so, so the idea is that miracles are also going to be something that you know the atheist is going to question and there are you know, claims to miracles these days. And the Quran sort of has this theme where, although it does take miracles seriously, it reports them. Also, uh, it, it makes it clear that it itself, the Quran itself, is a sign for mankind and puts forward the inimitability challenge. Although although it does all that, it, it kind of um, takes this, this, this request for miracles very... Um, like it, it almost it almost belittles it. Like uh, there there there's a verse where Allah responds and says, "Wafi amfusihim afalayubsirun," right? And in their own selves, right? In the in their own selves, do they not look? Do they not see? Right? Uh, um, it actually starts off with you know signs of nature and everything, and it speaks about uh, uh, the world and says that you can look around you and look within yourselves and see the signs. Now, granted, I, I know you're not convinced with that, Carlos, but then the idea is that the evidence is always going to be in that way, not not in not in the manner that you're thinking that you know every time you pray for a million dollars is going to be there, because then in that way, as I mentioned earlier, it's not it's not going to be really a test. Your acts won't be morally significant, and the existence of God would be as obvious as one plus one equals two. The whole world would be praying for a million dollars and getting it. The existence of God would be as much a fact as anything. So, you know, considering there's eternal hell out there, there, there is no morally significant act you can do because you got the gun to your head. And it's a, it's not just a gun to your head. It's eternal hell that you can see, you can witness every day in your living room. So, I mean, if that's what you're asking for, then it kind of defeats the purpose of the, uh, uh, the, the theistic narrative. So yeah, so, so 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 miracles are more signs, and that's really the word used in the Quran. It's a sign. It's always going to be a sign, and a sign of something is not <coughs> going to be the thing itself. So yeah, I didn't think on the issue of the Quran being a living miracle. Obviously, we believe it's a miracle, but the problem is is that you have to study it. Yeah, uh, what the the Quranic claim is, and. Just like, for example, when it comes to the belief in a creator, you have to think about it deeply. It's the same thing with regards to the Quran. You know, if you understand ilm al-balagha, you would understand, you know, how you construct meaningful sentences. You would understand ilm al-ma'ani, ilm al-badi, ilm al-bayan, sorry. So you understand these these sciences that the Quran has and uh, utilizes and how these are beyond. But like I said, it requires some further investigation and you know i encourage a lot of muslims to do that 
But going back to the specific part, the first part where he says that uh, I think it was addressed to Jake about uh, temporal cause and eternal effect, and he's saying, "Well, we don't have any, you know, we don't have what is what was he saying? He was saying we don't have sufficient evidence." He doesn't think we can make claims. Uh, yeah, can you can, can you go claims. back to the image here? Yes. Um, the, at the bottom, he said, essentially, using epistemology to come to ontological conclusions is a category error. This is something I've alluded to before. Therefore, a natural, unconscious, necessary existence as the cause of our temporal universe is not a logical impossibility. Um, yeah, like when he his statement there, using epistemology to come to ontological conclusions is a category error. This is just T-jump, man. This is yeah, this guy. You watch. Listen. <laughs> listen. I want to tell you something, uh, Carlos. You seem like a nice enough guy, buddy. But stop watching T-jump. You got a better chance watching cartoons and then coming up with something meaningful than watching T-jump. I'm sorry to tell you. And I can see it in your statements, uh, the things that you say. I watch it and I've heard enough T-jump to see that you're regurgitating T-Jump's rubbish and nonsense. So please stop watching T-Jump, watch some more tap, and, and maybe we can get further. But the, the, point, the point here is, is that the statement you're making about, oh, using epistemology to talk about ontology, well, that's what you're doing. Even what uh, Abdul mentioned earlier about the problem of other minds or the reality of the external world, what do you think you're doing? Do you think that other minds exist? Do you think that I'm talking to you right now? Do you think that the external world is real? Well, if you do, what does that tell you? <laughs> that tells you that you're making ontological statements based on your own epistemology, i.e. what seems to be the case or what seems to be evidence for X is evidence for X, and it seems that X is true. That's what you're doing when you have these philosophical conclusions about other things. So the problem is, is that now you're using that for other things, but once it comes to this other thing, you're inconsistent. You don't want to apply it there. You don't want to say, oh, what seems to be the case actually probably is the case because you're uncomfortable with the conclusion that it's going to lead to. And I'm sorry, but that's just inconsistent. And, and that statement, once again, is just T-jump nonsense. Yeah, I think it's, uh, just to reiterate that point as well, is that you've got to have, if as best as possible anyway, consistency in your epistemology. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna hold certain views, so for example, like Abdul gave the example that we come to the conclusion of other minds because of indeterminate acts of an individual or of a body. Yeah, so a non-determinate act of a body will conclude that the person has will. Yeah, uh, has agent causation they cause what they want to do so if you're going to use that now you're going to use it consistently yeah you can't use it in one respect to infer other minds of other human beings yeah. or animals and then say well there's this it's X. not a category error like how yeah. are you going to say it's a category error and just the whole, the whole just just one thing to say about the whole epistemology thing is watch all yeah. areas that don't do echo chambers i'm not telling you to do an echo chamber but I'm telling you not to watch T jump. <laughs> so there's a difference. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to do echo chambers, and we don't do echo chambers. We invite people like you guys on. 
uh, I don't do echo chambers either. I go on Clubhouse. I talk to Hindus, atheists, uh, corrupt, <laughs> yeah, uh, all different kind of stuff. I mean, what are you talking? Yeah. Yeah. Just a point on the whole epistemology thing. I, I mean, there, there, there aren't really too many options about how uh, the universe or the cosmos or the contingent contingent reality could have come into being. Right? Sure. I mean, in terms of how uh, you know that mechanistically or physically may have happened or what the actual mechanistic explanation is if there is one it, then of course there could be like an endless number of explanations but then in terms of like purely logical categories there aren't so many options i mean if, if you're you're either going to say i mean you, you can be agnostic about it but then you can you can, you can be agnostic and still say that it's either going to be some kind of brute contingency as in like there are just there's just this contingent reality that is uh, you know ha has it's arbitrary limits. It could have been otherwise. It has these properties, these sim similar properties to other things that we identify as contingent, or it's going to be something that's not that, right? So it's it's either that or it's not that, right? Now, if, if it's that, if it's if it has the same properties of contingent things, then it, it might boil down to intuition. But then, uh, I mean, if if you say the 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 just to give it an, an example to simplify it, if you say that the necessary existence or the explanation for, for reality is some red ball, right? So that's a, it's a very arbitrary thing. It's just random It's and it's arbitrary limited, right? And it has these certain limited causal powers. Well, I think epistemically from, from our epistemic viewpoint, at least, right? We're going to look at that. We're going to look at these certain properties and we're going to ask the very same questions we ask about things around us. And, and science, you, you, you might want to say that, you know, um, it could ha not have an. It, it could be. It could be the case that it doesn't have an explanation, but that isn't how we think. So at least from an epistemic perspective, it's going to be analogous to us looking at the reality around us, and maybe looking at a, a certain phenomenon and somebody coming and telling you, "Hey, there is no explanation beyond it." Right? It's 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 it's. There is no explanation to 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 this thing and the properties it has. And and I think even scientists, uh, especially cosmologists, they they don't like these answers. They don't like these arbitrary answers. They I, I think we fundamentally assume there's an explanation, right? Uh, and and you could say whatever you want. You could say that assumption is based on experience. You you could take an empirical route. Whatever it is you do, uh, uh, that second option because there I, I think there are two options. It's either a contingent reality as a whole or a non-contingent reality. So contingent explanation, brute contingency, or, or necessity. And I think that first one, whatever, uh, you know, causal principle or uh, explanatory principle you have in your epistemology, it's, it's always going to, uh, uh, you know, be the same as us looking at something in reality and, you know, uh, positing that there might not be an explanation for it. I mean, on the atheistic view that the brute contingency is all there is. But then a lot of us don't do that. I'm just trying to be very modest here. I mean, philosophers and, 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 and physicists, cosmologists, when it comes to ultimate explanations, we don't do that because whenever we look at something that is limited, whenever we look at something that has certain arbitrary properties, we explain. Uh, we try to look for an explanation. And you might say, well, everything we experience has arbitrary properties and so so seductive well that's the whole point the whole point is that that's how we operate so i think with that first option it's just in principle i mean you don't need to wait for future investigations in principle you couldn't be faced with a situation where that 
you know, naturalistic necessary thing, a hypothetical naturalistic necessary thing, isn't looked at from our human perspective in the same epist- with the same epistemic lens as we look at other contingent things. It's just the same. It's just in, it's an in principle thing, really. Considering it's, 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 it's the same, well, I think that many of us will go for that second option and say, wait a second, that has an explanation. I don't even care if you just call it intuition. It's just being consistent, I think, in my in my own view. And then the necessary explanation is going to be a necessary thing. And then from there, you're going to uh, 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 move towards these discussions about will and other minds and, you know, eternal cause, finite uh, uh, effects, all these kinds of stuff. But to say we can't know anything. Well, I, I think the issue is we already know stuff that's direct that are directly related to the things we as theists claim to know about ultimate reality. It's 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 actually stems from these very basic things we know, and it's directly analogous to the claims we make about ultimate reality. So I think this this extreme skepticism, fine, you can be skeptical. That that it's your prerogative, and even on the Islamic view, if if, if you know if you're sincere and you just can't see it, I, I have no problem with that. But to say we can't say anything, well, I, I, I just think that's blatantly false. Even from an atheistic perspective, a lot of people would argue that, you know, uh, evolution, uh, evolution, uh, evolutionarily speaking, we have evolved to believe in God. So the intuition is there. But I'm not just speaking about intuition here. I'm speaking about the foundation of our epistemology and how it directly links to the claims that we uh, do make as theists about ultimate reality. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think also just from consistency point of view from just saying okay we observe things that are not causally caused to act we infer will so just from an inductive point of view it makes sense that if we come to a conclusion of a necessary being that causally causes an act we're going to infer will you have you have warrant to hold that position and that's why i said on what basis is he justifying that the the necessary being doesn't have a will? He has to have an explanation for that. Now, if he's being on the fence and he's saying, I'm agnostic, and on the one hand, you've got four, five, six arguments saying there is a will, and he has not one defeater to those arguments, then he should be on the position of saying, well, actually, my inclinations would be that the necessary being has a will, and therefore is a god. That's where he's position that's where the the following of the argument and the evidence should uh, should push him towards yep and uh, so i think um i think considering we have no more guests and yeah okay, he's, somebody... yeah last thing here philosophy is epistemology and on its own are just hypotheses science is the next step from a hypothesis no it's not i mean that's it's just wrong bro i mean even your statement right there like that yep, epistemology i mean i mean it's wait i mean the argument itself isn't epistemology you use a certain argument to you use no, epistemology he's, to make he's a certain argument. Just saying, just talking philosophy doesn't get you anywhere. That's his point. You need scientific confirmation for uh, philosophical points. That's basically what he's no, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the point and is, like, like, if you talk about like, like, like in science, is science relies on rational inference as well, right? So, I mean, what? So, you want an empirical basis for the stuff we're talking about? Well, there is an empirical basis. Everything around you. So we make rational inferences from that. Doesn't make it scientific because it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, adhere to the methodology. Yeah, but I'm of saying he's not consistent yeah. with that, Abdul. He does so many. He 
believes in so many things without scientific confirmation. Yes, yes. Like other minds and exter yeah. external world realism and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, so I think we've went on for a bit and we've really got off topic because I think most of our atheist guests didn't really challenge the argument. Um, so I think mm -hmm. if, if you guys have any last words, uh, you can go for it and then, and then we can end the stream. Yeah. The divine hiddenness argument is bunk. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I think that was demonstrated by the fact that uh, nobody really came on, even the atheists to come on and defend the argument. And, uh, it's based on assumptions that we're free to reject. And again, it just points back to whether or not there actually is sufficient evidence for God. And in that case, it doesn't really, it's not even a tiebreaker. It doesn't even really operate in any meaningful way in the philosophical discussion, Mr. Ray. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd give it second place after after the problem of evil. And um, I mean, reason, reason, uh, reason for that is because, well, if you, if you look at it just in a vacuum, if you, you just think of, Hey, this intelligent uh, uh, God who is all loving, and, and, you know, you look at a world where there are non-resisting non-believers, well, that in a vacuum, fine, okay, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that. It, that thought alone doesn't predict that, but, I mean, that's not the whole story, really. If, you, if, if, it's, if it's a critique of theism, I think you need to take uh, the theistic narrative into account. Uh, Yusuf, uh, any final words? Uh, no, no, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I'm happy to leave it there. Okay. Sharif, any final words? Okay. Okay, everybody for joining. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks uh, to the panelists. Thanks to everybody. And uh, inshallah, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.